Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we subject ourselves to every MCU film, one Marvel Studio film a week, until we reach the blatant grab for cash that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Christoph, and I guess I'll be your host for this week as we look at Thor Ragnarok. Joining me always is my co-host Billy. How you going, Billy? Good, how are you? This is, I, this is it. One this, more film. No, and yeah, another film I've film. seen before. I know, it's the second last episode until we... I don't know what we do after... Just in general with our lives or specifically with the podcast? Specifically with the podcast. We okay. haven't worked out yet. I Oh, I just I just wanted to sort of talk about the lack of direction I'm feeling in my own life, but clearly this isn't a forum for that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're running by the infinity seat of our pants. I'm just, I'm just going to not even address that terrible joke. Uh, so, for people listening at home, maybe a little bit confused, we did uh, Black Panther... Earlier on, we did it as it came out in the cinema. So I think it yeah, might have been like, uh, what number episode was that? Probably like five or six, maybe. Yeah, five or six. Uh, we thought it would be best to cover Black Panther as it came out. Yes. Because um, we, really... we can't, like, you can't really rewatch it at the moment because it's not out on DVD. Yeah, I don't think it's out on DVD. It's in limbo. So, good, um, good choice past us. Yeah, so we will, like, go over it a little bit at the end of the episode. Yeah, just sort of to remind people, uh, I guess, where the Marvel Universe is at where the character of Black Panther is at. Um, and also, like, we can talk about at the end of the episode how successful Black Panther has been. Yeah, Because, I mean, sure. when we recorded that episode, it was, like, one week in. That's a really good point, actually. Uh, yeah, we didn't have the box office numbers. Um, but, I mean, up from memory, we were both very confident it was going to clean up. And, yeah. spoiler alert, it has cleaned the fuck up. Yes. Um, how are you? Look, I'm doing all right. I'm, yeah, I'm sort of excited and relieved that we're sort of nearing the end of this this first sort of iteration of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a big time commitment, as I have pointed out many a times before on the, pod, on the podcast. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. No, I know. I totally understand. Like, um, just because, you know, um, a podcast, you have days where you're recording and you have to watch something like that. But, you know, life gets in the way. Yeah. Especially around this, this time of the year. It's very busy. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely the combination of scheduling, this the raw time, obviously, that watching the film takes and then recording, but also scheduling that around yeah. uh, everything and else we have to do. In the I mean, I know we're only in April, but the, mm. the world gets... like I don't know, Australia gets crazy busy work-wise, but closer to the end of the financial year. And, and we're like two months away from that. Sorry, I'm just laughing at the fact that this podcast is essentially two people two people whinging about the fact they have to watch a movie each week. It's a I don't win. Like, yeah, that's you win. That's my shtick. Stand on my lane, Billy. Yes. No, um, yeah. I like it's busy. Um, but yeah, look, what did you think rewatching Thor? Yeah, I I think last week I certainly brought it up when we had the uh, the boys from um a podcast strikes back on cuz Josh pointed out that he's not a big fan of Thor Ragnarok or at ben. least was ben. it Ben? Yes. Ben. Oh god. Yeah, I uh, I can't I lost track of the names. Wait, so it's Ben, Connor, and George. Yes. Excellent. Well, you're a bit sick at the moment, so it's okay. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm, and Chloe, I'm just, yeah, you're and not I'm sick in the that's head. That's true. That's true. And I'm just a shitty person generally. So both those things converge yes. to me not remembering names. Uh, no. So Ben brought up the fact uh, that yeah, he's not crazy hot on um, Thor Ragnarok and felt it was a bit overrated. I tend to feel the same way. I, when I saw it in cinemas, I I definitely enjoyed myself. Do I think it's a good film? Yes. Uh, more or less. Do I think it has a lot of problems that other people didn't seem to pick up on? Yes. And that's sort of how I, f- how I felt. I still feel that way. However, I enjoy this film more on a second view. 
Okay. I look forward to discussing yeah, I, the problems that you have. With yeah, and just my my general sort of grumpiness. No, 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 no. It's good to hear right. a, a different opinion. Because you still enjoyed it, yeah? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it this time around. Um, More or less than the first viewing, do you think? Um, Similar. Okay. Because I... I'd, not like not to get a specific, but just I'd had a shitty day yesterday, and then I like, just to come home and like I was a bit like Ugh, I can't be bothered doing this. I'd rather mm. play video games. Is there something about like knowing you have to watch the yeah, film? Yeah, um, because I put it off yesterday, mm. and then like I started watching it and I actually felt better. Like it was like, yep, I needed this. It like lifted your mood. Yes. Mm. Yeah. No, I think it has a very uh, very fun quality about it that. I mean, most of the Marvel movies have, but I think Thor, I think Ragnarok is one of the funnest Marvel yeah. films. Do we, look, do we want to go to the trailer and get into it? Yeah, no, why not? So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. You have no idea. How long the goddess of death has invaded Asgard? Oh, I've missed this. And you and I had a fight recently. Did I win? No, I won. Easily. Doesn't sound right. Well, that's true. Asgard is dead. And it'll be reborn in my image. I thought you'd be glad to see me. I need to stop her here and now. To prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. So I'm putting together a team. Like the old days. Surprise! This will be such fun. Hello. Hi. He's a fighter. Here we go! I'm not a queen or a monster. I'm the goddess of death. What were you the god of again? Same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, same. Hulk like fire, mm. though I like water. Well, kind of both like fire. But Hulk like raging fire, though I like smoldering fire. <laughs> and we're back. Look, Billy, before we jump into context, which you've, uh, for newer listeners is the part of the show where we sort of talk about box office numbers, what the world was like when this film came out, and our sort Director, of initial reactors to it. Yeah, yeah directors, um, actors, writers, people behind the scenes, all that sort of stuff we talk about in context. But before we jump into that, Billy, something we did last week uh, with the podcast Strikes Back Boys is we, we ranked our favourite Sp- Sp- Spider-Man films in order. So let's Yeah, just, all so, of the Spider-Man films. So in terms of the three... Uh, Hulk? Thor Sorry, films, three Thor films? Yeah, what do you rank them? I think, like, I feel like there is a correct answer. Three, one, two. 
Yeah, that that is a correct answer. Really? Yeah. I thought you were going to be like one no. through two. No, I think in terms of the franchise, Marvel franchise, I think Thor has always had the most trouble. I think Thor 1 was mm-hmm. solid when it came out because people weren't expecting much from it. Mm-hmm. I think it's still okay now, but I don't think it's amazing. I think Ragnarok felt fresh, and if Ragnarok did anything, it highlighted what a it had boring that, movie Thor 2 is. It had that tiki watiti. That little... Yeah, that... Chef's that, kiss. Look, let's get, let's get into context now. Bring up uh, Taika Waititi, who, of course, uh, directed the film. Yes, yeah, so Taika... Taika... Taika Waititi. Uh, my, I'm having a bad day with names. Yeah, so New, Ze- yeah, New Zealand director Taika Waititi. Yes, uh, he was direct- responsible for this. Yeah, he directed the film. Um, I he was, is of. I'm uh, just going to say something because he has such a distinct creative voice. I was really surprised to hear that he did not write this film. Yeah, I was as well. Like, um, I just assumed he did. Yeah. Um, so he's a screenwriter and actor as well. Um, some of the more famous films that people would know about is Eagle vs. Shark. That's um, I feel like that's one of his smaller Yeah. Like he's done smaller stuff. It's weird, that. like I would have thought like a lot of my American friends wouldn't know that, but they do know that really? particular film. That's interesting. I think what they've done is they've hunted down um I'm trying to figure out the, well, the duo what, the duo that are big like in the States. Yeah, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, so because Jermaine Clement is it Clement. Clement. Clement is in um is Eagle vs. Sharp. Yeah, I feel like um the Flight of the Concords as well as other um, New Zealand Kiwis um, all their contributions like people are now overseas are discovering more comedic acts and films from Australia and New Zealand and stuff yeah, like, which is kind of cool it feels like uh, maybe more recently I think Americans are becoming I don't know what it is if it was like shows like The Office that sort of had a subtler humour to them or what it is but I think I feel like those markets are more open to the Australian and especially New, Ze- New Zealand sen- sensibility, which is oh, very yeah, self-derogatory like, and very deliberately understated. Oh yeah, like UK, Australian, New Zealand humour doesn't always fall. It falls sometimes flat with US audiences. Well, a great example are like acts who are huge in the UK, like Jimmy Carr, who are completely more or less, you know, barely known in America. Is a mm. great example, and there's a lot of other, and like there's a lot of comedians, Australian comedians that are big in Australia. And there are, like, one or two Australian comedians I can think of that do well in America, like, mm. such as Jim Jeffries, who now pretty much, deli- like, who lives in America and pretty much only performs for American audiences. Well, like, yeah, he like, travels a bit, but he does shows, um, and a lot of what he creates is for Americans. I think Ronnie Chang is... Yes, that's he, a good like, point. He's, like, the comedian, like, one of the sort of... The correspondents on The Daily Show. There we go. But... But still, he's still doing shows for, like, the ABC. I'm not convinced. Maybe he is bigger over there, but... Mm. Um, anyway. yeah, so there was, uh, Eagle vs. Shark, yes. Boy, uh, the highly successful... What We Do in Shadows? What We Do in the Shadows. That, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of, especially before Phil Ragnarok came out, I know on, just anecdotally on Twitter, a lot of people recommending that film, and I think for a lot of people that was the film that sort of got them on, on board and into his, yeah, his writing. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, you know it's a successful film overseas when an American version of it is wanting to... Like, they want to make an American version of it. Which, which frustrates doesn't me. Al- doesn't always work. When has it... With the exception of, I guess, The Office, what what are American adaptions that have worked? Um, I'm trying to think of... That have been just good. Because I'm trying to figure out... What was the... Um, God, Simon... What was the show Simon Pegg was on? Not Spaced? Yeah. They did an American version of Spaced. It was good. 
It was, was good. Was not. Good. Oh, was not. A g- example that I always come back to is one of my favorite Australian comedies, uh, which is saying something because there's not many good Australian com- or TV let alone comedies. Was a show called Did you ever watch Review? Maybe. It's like my favorite. It's one of just my hands down favorite comedy shows ever. Anyway, Americans did a version of it, mm. and it's like it's starring an American comedian I really like, a guy called Andy Daly, who's hilarious. And the show just didn't work for me. And I think it's because the show so re- the Australian version so relied on the Australian sensibility and how mundane things are over here that it just wouldn't. I just don't think the concept translates well for Americans. Yeah, no. The, and the other thing is like a lot of like shows are adapted as well, like game shows for example or news type shows are, are adapted so like I mean we've got our various versions of The Daily Show like you could call yes Sean McAuliffe's show a version of yeah, The Daily sure. Show yeah for sure it's very it's very similar yeah yeah whereas like people overseas and um, The Weekly our... again is pretty much last week tonight we've done all of that but for Australian audiences yeah so people will watch the Australian version they'll be like yeah that's no, not funny but it's like yeah, like humor doesn't always cross well. I think part of that is with the Australian poli- stuff that references Australian politics or things that are specific to Australia. The reality is that Australians know a lot about what's going on in America. Americans don't really know what's going yeah. on here. Um, and the other film from uh, yeah from Mr. Waititi, Waititi Hunt is for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder mm. People. Who was one, that was one of my favorite films of that year that it came out. It was what's amazing. It? What's interesting is with yeah that that is a, a great film. What's interesting is you feel like he's sort of picking people up as he goes along in terms of like oh, he's yeah. working with big name actors and then he, he carries them along so like Sam Neill was very briefly in this film who of course he worked with in Hunt for the World of yeah, People yeah and also Rachel House who's she's been in a few of his films and she played Topaz the Grandmaster's yes. bodyguard yeah and she of course was one of the she was like the lead cop chasing after them in Hunt for the World of People yeah um, and I think she was in um, Evil you... vs. Shark maybe or okay I'm not I, sure. I can't remember if she was in she may have been in What We Do in Shadows, but it would have been a background role. Yeah. Um, but, well, apparently, because um, I was re-watching an interview with Triple J. Yes. Today. Um, with... Uh, Taika Waititi? Yeah. Well, this is when, I assume, the interviews he did when... For Ray Rock, Rock, yeah, came out. Came out here. And he was talking about how he tried to push um, to hire local... People. A lot of and a lot of indigenous crew, I believe. Yeah, a lot well. of indigenous crew, um, Australian, New Zealand crew, um, a lot of people to come along and shadow him, like up and coming film creators and everything, which I thought was really cool. Mm. I did that through. I think I'm not sure what the New Zealand version of Screen Australia is. Okay, yeah, so that one um, and Screen Australia and stuff, which I thought was amazing and really cool. I, I I hope, I mean, I wish and I hope directors would do that more. Like, mm. hire, like, local talent sort of thing. Cause I, it'd be cool to shadow someone on the set of a big film like that to get, you know, your chops I, you on know, how I, to write and direct. It's not always the case, but a lot of times it seems to be the people that do it. The people who've had a harder time coming up, often because they're not, like, the majority of uh, filmmakers who are straight white dudes. Um, you know, like, uh, usually it's people of colour or women or people who... Uh, have had yeah a harder time coming up and I think they know what it's like to be hungry and they know how hard it was for them so they want to sort of assist other people who might be who might suffer from similar discrimination making it in the industry yeah um, so it was written by Eric Pearson yes uh, or co-written by Eric Pearson who we've talked about before we have what Phil what I've, I've mentioned it briefly on various um, the movies 
like various episodes. Okay. Basically, what happened here? He's done a lot of the Marvel short films, like the ones that you see on the Blu-rays and DVDs. Do they? But are they still doing? Those? He's but the, no, I don't think they're doing them anymore. But he's still he's added like some stuff to the uncredited stuff to various films. He okay. came through the Marvel Studios writing uh, program. I was about to say, because he sounds like a company man, like an actual yeah. set of hands on deck that they sort of bring on yeah, when they so need it's, more It's like writers. a, um, not in, well, I guess you could call it an internship through Is the Marvel though? School of Had Marvel he done Studios. stuff before? Well, listen, he studied, well, apparently he studied, like, you know, film, and then he got the, um, the Marvel Studios, like, writer's workshop, which oh, you would call okay. it, I guess... I mean, it's a type of internship. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess it's sort of an induction program. That I assumed it sort of brings people into their creative voice and how they do things. Yeah, which is kind of cool to do. I guess it means that from their perspective is that they've already got... It gives them a, a selection of people I mean, who are who are already versed in how they do things, who can come in the last minute. They don't need to be brief. Well, they know yeah, and the other thing is, what I mean, to do. Yeah, if I was a screenwriter and I had a chance to do that, I would. Of course. Then, you know, it's your foot in the door because then you could... You could do Disney uh, films. You know what? Yeah, I feel well, I feel like even after doing that, yeah. it, I wonder if it's a little bit like, you know how they say that McDonald's is really good on your resume because pe- because employers think that, oh, if you are able to sort of handle it in such sort of a, a, a sort yeah. of structured corporate culture, um, that can uh, then you'll be able to sort of handle it anywhere. I wonder if it's the same. It's like, oh, if you could play ball at Marvel, you could probably, you know, exactly. handle any work for I mean, project. even DC and Marvel Comics... They both have, like, workshops and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so, the other writers on the film were Prag Kyle yep, and, and Christopher Yoss, who we've mentioned before as yeah, well. Yeah, who, of course, is a comic... Both uh, Kyle Craig and Christopher Yoss are comic book guys. Yeah, they both created the character X-23. Um, they've both worked on the various animated films for Marvel and animated series. Okay. Um, and they've also done their own, like, separate animated stuff. Like, you, you if you look them up, they've had the hands in various animated pies. So Correct me if I'm wrong, Billy. Something I have noticed is that, generally speaking, a lot of the Marvel films feel like they... They feel like a separation between Marvel Studios films and uh, Marvel comics. And we've talked about this before yeah. in terms of, like, there doesn't seem to be... A, they, there doesn't seem to be any sort of official mechanism that feeds comic fans back... movie fans back into the comics. Yeah. Um, and I have... I could be wrong, but... With the exception of Christopher Yost, here a lot of the Marvel films are just written by screenwriters. They don't often bring in comic guys. Whereas, it, you know, with DC, Jeff Johns had his hands in a lot that, of yeah, in a lot of their films. But I think which okay in that case in the case of DC, it hasn't worked out well. well but surely Marvel could get some of their top comic talent to come well, in and help. I don't know. Well, that's the thing we talked about this in that um, there was when I'm trying to figure out what his name is now. The guy basically blamed for all the crap stuff. Oh, Ike Perlmutter? Yeah, Ike Perlmutter. He had, like, a group of people who were in his, like, echelon slash group, and they were, like, the Marvel comic dudes type thing. Oh, uh, okay. And they were like, yeah, you go here for references. But they were also... They would like, one or... Like, Brian Bendis was one of them. Oh, okay, so they were comic book tent. Okay. Yeah, but then there was also, like, Marvel people that have been around for years but aren't, like writers uh, so people who are sort of like a company men have sort of kissed the ring so to speak yeah as opposed to because it would be cool to get some of the you know the the newer talent that they've got writing at the moment like Donny Cates or um yeah or for some reason I can't think of anyone else but like or Jason Aaron not that he's newer but he's doing great work at the moment and get some of these people involved like 
I would sure love to have Jason Aaron involved on a Thor film, given how wonderful and prolific his run on the comic has been. It just seems weird to me that they don't tap into those resources for the Yeah, film. look, and I mean, that just depends, I guess, that they want to focus on... That's the thing, we also don't know, timeline-wise, when these stories get written. So that's, a actually, that's, been, a, that's a really A lot point. of the times the stories get handed in, like, a year in advance. Or even, I know, in a lot of cases, like... These movies have been cooking up before MCU became a, was a thing, and and the story sort of uh, adapted or take yeah. inspiration from these scripts, and there's so many iterations. So that's a very valid point. So the film came out um, June twenty eighth last year. Yep, it's so this is uh, well Black Panther, with the exception of Black Panther, is the most recent Marvel Studios film. Yes, um, the budget for it was one hundred and eighty million. Which is, I mean, within sort of range of the the standard range of these films. For, yeah, for Thor, for Thor films especially, mm. um, and the box office takings for it were eight hundred fifty four million. Which is like very. Yeah, the first Thor film was one hundred fifty million budget, which is the same as Iron Man. Yeah, the second Thor film, Thor: Dark World, was one hundred seventy million. Mm-hmm. Thor took four hundred fifty million. Um, Thor: yeah. The Dark World took. Six hundred and forty-five million. Wait, wow! Thor: The Dark World did surprisingly well. Yeah, that's but surprisingly well, but not. It was like almost like twenty million more than the first film. Yeah, equals just two hundred million more. Whereas you know, ten million more got it like almost two and a half, two hundred and fifty yes. million more. I, I wonder how much of that money was getting Ruffalo involved. Like, I don't think it was all, but I, I wonder if part of the reason that they budget is because rough... Because I was just thinking about this cast. It's bigger. They've got big-name actors like Kate Blanchett, Seville, as opposed to Christopher Eccleston in the last mm. film, who would you know would definitely not draw Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Sorry, Carl Urban's in this film. Yeah, but not also, that he's bigger. also, I feel like there's a lot Tess more... Tess Thompson? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more CGI in this film to give it that... Curb, oh, To give yeah. it that Kirby factor. To make it look like very about, much like thinking the Kirby, about yeah the drawings and stuff yeah I mean there were, we're a lot of about great Jack Kirby that is not not uh, not Kirby uh, the b- video beloved yeah Nintendo character yeah um okay um it, how was it received on Rotten Tomatoes I feel like you're sending me up for a gotcha oh okay all right you've got it written down yeah <laughs> just a little. Unwanted peek behind the curtain. Alright, it was mostly well received, Billy. I uh, cut that video. So, 90, 92% um, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very high. Yeah, um, and that's the other thing. We mentioned how, like, we just use Rotten Tomatoes as a guide. Yeah, um, it's not the be all and end all. I mean, yeah, because a lot of the times it can be altered. Um, well, Black Panther, I think people tried to tried to uh, make a... Was it Black Panther people tried to make a push? Or Star Wars? Yeah, uh, Last well, Jedi Black is Panther's, a great example. Well, we'll double check at the end of this at the end of the episode in regards to Black Panther. That's true. Something I'd like to bring up in context before we finish uh, this segment is that I remember ages ago Marvel announced... You know, when like they announced their slate... This was probably like maybe five or six years ago now, and they had Thor Ragnarok. And I don't even think we'd had Thor 2 at that point. They just had a whole bunch of titles. Yeah. And the Ragnarok word was in different font, and it looked like it was going to... Just from the title, it looked like it was going to be more of the same. So it's interesting that... I remember when, you know, the trailers came out for this film, and we saw that that sort of shiny 80s sort of Mm. sleek logo. It was like... like. 
it felt like this movie had a voice and I know myself and a whole bunch of other people were ridiculously excited because it felt like finally someone came onto Thor with a very different and unique vision. Yeah, look, I mean, I like Thor... As a character, film. yes. And I like Thor as a character. But it's vanilla, right? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it did give it that whole Shakespearean factor that was in the first film. Whereas now it was more... This film is Kirby meets Walter... Jack Kirby meets Walter Simonson. It definitely felt like Cosmic Thor, right? Yes. And I guess the thing is, like, you need to establish a baseline sort of vanilla Thor before this cosmic stuff is interesting. Yeah. So, I like, I, I acknowledge that 1 and 2 had to exist and mm. be the way they were. But oh, 2 it, doesn't need to exist. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, but actually, that's a very good point. I get that 1 needs to exist and set that tone, but God, I'm glad that for this one, they they had the the the, the uh, foresight to bring in someone with a vision and to, to do something different with it. Okay. All right, shall we jump into pickups, Billy? Yes, sure. Billy, for people listening, what are pickups? So pickups are where we like to we don't go plot point by plot point about the film. Yeah, we're not we, going to recap the film. Yeah, so what we like to do is pick apart parts of the film that we wish to discuss further, or or something, or examine and sort of break down after watching it. First, second, third, fourth, as many times as you have. Yeah, so usually, uh, usually pickups are things that we've sort of picked up on this latest watch a lot of the time. Um, more or less, because at this point, I mean, Billy, what was was this second or third Ragnarok watch for you? Second, just so, because it, it's come out so yes, quickly. Fair. This was my two and a half. So when yeah. I was flying back from the states, not to brag, but I can afford plane tickets. Um, your face. <laughs> um, I watched like I think I got through about forty minutes of the film. Yeah. So I like I've seen it about two and a half times. Um, do you want to go first with pickups or? Yeah, look, I'll talk about the music. Yeah, um, this, please do. Um, uh, so, what in particular stood out to you? Because there's a lot. To okay, unpack. so the score was done by Mark Mothersbaugh. Um, he did like a synthesized score, which is, he said it was influenced by the work of Jean Jean Michael Jarre. Um, Taiki Waititi said though, if he he would have asked the band Queen. To work on the soundtrack for the film if their lead singer Freddie Mercury was still alive, because it just <laughs> bit, yeah. no, no no because the film is a cool ballad, colorful cosmic adventure, which kind of suits the feel of Queen, which I totally get. I agree too. I think it's a weird to say. It's, like I think it's I don't know. Oh, I was just saying like if he could like as in soundtrack. Yeah. Wise. Okay. All right. Because I, I do get that. My guess is Flash your... Gordon feel. Mm. My guess as well is he probably didn't say that in a vacuum. He probably asked no, a specific no. question. Yeah, it was probably I asked just, a It just seemed question. like a weird thing to say on its own just to come out with, but I assume it was a, it was yeah. like a, quite, a deliberate um, question someone asked. Some of the music that was, that was great was um, like Immigrant Song. Yeah. Led Zeppelin, especially right at the end. Yes. The beginning. I, I'm gonna... You didn't like that? No, no, I did. Uh, I really love the Immigrant Song. Um, yeah. The use of it in this film. I've got to... Before you go any further, uh, which do you think is the song better, this film or uh, School of Rock? Oh my god, it's been so long since I've seen School of it, Rock. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like that says your answer, doesn't it? No, I think I like this film better. Yeah. Just because it's a beat-up section. Yeah. Have you seen the, the memes of that Thor bit where, that, where he gets the lightning and jumps down and starts attacking? No. People have placed different types of music. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, I'll there check was it out. To- Britney Spears Toxic in one of them. 
That sounds very nice. Um, also, the use of pure imagination during that bit with Thor is about to meet the. Um, oh the yes, I, I didn't even pick that when up. When he's yeah, when he's about to meet the um, the games master, the um, the grandmaster, the grandmaster. Um, was amazing, especially the bit where he's on the chair going through the like, ah, it yeah, felt yeah. like the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that's film. A really, that's a really good With point. the crazy, where they go on the boat ride. Mm. That felt very sort of like, it's a small world or like a Disney ride, right? Mm. It's sort of their sweet voice, but you're getting, except that Thor's being told basically he's unwanted and unloved. Mm. Something I did like as well, um, and it's props to, you know, the people that they hire to do the music and the score. Um, when it came to the Doctor Strange scene, they did a bit of his music from his yes. from his movie score. Well, that's which fairly I common. That, that's a, like in the Avengers as well. I'm pretty sure they use like the different character themes. Yeah, which I like a lot. I think it's kind of cool to do that. So, I yeah, I think maybe it's just because it makes it feel like it was a different film. You know, like you feel it and. I felt that parts of this film for a little bit like different films cobbled together, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. But read the immigrant song thing. I kind of wish that they, and maybe because Guardians of the Galaxy One's already done it, it would be retreading old ground. But and uh, two is what, but two obviously didn't do it as well. But I would have really liked if they sort of just went with like classic like Led Zeppelin era sort of rock, like sort of from that rock canon, mm. you know, and had those sort of and had that sort of soundtrack the whole way through. Uh, because like I enjoyed the synthesizer music, but I just feel like the the attitude and the way that the immigrant song carried like that first like the first scene where he's fighting Serta and his minions, which is like my probably one of my favorite scenes in the yeah. entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, like that fight and the way it uses the music so well and so creatively uses his hammer, mm. it's really great. But I just would have liked to see more of that attitude in the film, and I okay. the attitude and sort of the the epicness and that that song sort of brought and I would have loved it if they could have picked yeah like more like the Queen thing you were saying would be perfect like more epic rock ballads I think that's what I was trying to get at I would have loved more epic rock ballads in the soundtrack someone said to me once they should have for that instead of Immigrant Song at the end they should yeah. have used Thunderstruck I'm like no oh no yeah no 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 I love look, I love Akadaka but no also, and I guess here's part of the problem, is if they've got to stay in their lane in terms of not retreading ground Guardians of the Galaxy already did. Yeah. And not retreading the ground of the first two oh, Iron Man well, films. my friend said, you know, Thunderstruck because, you know, oh, he's got lightning. No, I got it. It wasn't, it wasn't it's particularly like, no. cerebral. Yeah, right? It's like, no. All right. Uh, do you have a, would you like another, cause it, because I might have hijacked that. No, 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 no I'll hijack yours until you're wrong. So okay, it's fine. So, yep, go ahead. All right, well, this is something I brought up in the music, so I'm just going to bring up... This is, I guess, my one gripe, and then I'll be positive, I promise, after um, after the Guardians. I'm not saying you don't have to be positive. Um, So, I guess my gripe with this is that as Marvel sort of moves into its... The phase where it's happy to take more risks, and I think the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie really proved to everyone that Marvel could bring in a director with their own vision... um, and it could, and you know, and a film could sort of be its own thing, and it could work really well. Mm. And you know, I think out of that we've got you know Ant Man, and we've gotten the Guardians two, um, and I think I'm out of examples now. But uh, my point is that it seems like yeah, they're more they're interested in movies with attitude, and this movie had its own attitude, ex- but 
you just attitude. felt it wasn't the attitude wasn't carried over throughout the entire film. exactly and I think okay. part of that is is that obviously Ryan Coogler did an interview on trip to bring back Triple J which for international listeners is our national uh, government funded youth youth station over here yeah. and he raised a really good he sort of said that you know when he went to the table with Marvel he sort of they said what they'd like him to put in the film and he said what he wanted to bring in the film so it's sort of a negotiation between you know here's what I want to bring here Here's what you want to bring in, finding a middle ground that incorporates that. And Ryan Coogler, to me, did it really well in Black Panther. I feel, no, well, I feel, like, I feel like he did it well in this film, Take Away Titty. I felt that there was a little bit of a disconnect. So, yeah. like, the Asgard stuff, especially the, you know, some of the stuff with... Um, no, I really like what he did with Heimdall, and I really like that... I mean, I think we can all agree that I, I, Idris Elba was criminally underused in the first two four film, film, mm. films. And part of that was, you know, I don't think it was intentionally, but when you're talking about Norse mythology, it's, it's probably going to happen. They were very sort of white people-centric, those films, and Taika yeah. Waititi makes a real effort in this film to make it, to to have a diverse cast and make it more multicultural. And when we see the, the shots of all the different Asgardians, a lot of the time there are, you know, people of colour and not just white people yeah. in those shots, which is great. But just some of that, the sort of the hella stuff and the... And the uh, the Asgard stuff just I would have felt liked really static, and oh. as opposed to how fun and interesting I know, like the, the I, stuff on Zakar was. I mean, I would have liked to have seen more of Hela as a villain. Really, instead I, of like it was almost like the look. I really look. I really enjoyed the film. I do agree with you in regards to the the Asgard stuff was felt almost more of an afterthought. It well, you know what it felt like. It felt like Tiger had this really cool idea. You know, this idea. Or, the, you know, maybe the writers. Um, but this idea that, you know, it's Thor, he's a fish out of water, he's stuck on this planet, he needs to get home. And, yeah. But it feels like, it, but it feels like sort of then, I think he, he, the baggage of that was, well, what's happening on Asgard? Where's Asgard at? Where's yeah, Asgard yeah, yeah. at? The look, universe building stuff. I think he did well for what he was allowed to do. Yes, I for sure. he said, you need this, this, and this. But I feel that's also part of the whole Marvel experimenting more now that mm. the their hands are not tied down for since the separation we've always discussed with Ike Palomino and all yes. that. But it's a good point that you mentioned what he was allowed to do because I think, and this is where my fatigue comes from, is that you know these movies, they need to hit certain beats they need to sort of, they need to appeal to a mass market and they need to, there needs to be some consistency you and know, I think, and I, I'm not it's just what they are and I yeah. think I'm just beginning to get tired of what well there's the thing with the comics that's enough, that's of course that happens in the comics as well like I mean there's various times they'll be like oh like for the comic book the challenges um at the moment it's like a sort of almost Teen Titans-ish oh yeah book. that's like the young sort of youth oriented like it's book. like almost like a young Avengers I really enjoy it but one of the characters from the, like the new creative team is coming on mm-hmm. and one of the characters from the previous um, creative team is not part of it, so it's like Young Cyclops. Um, I would have liked... <laughs> young Cyclops sounds like a rapper. Yeah. I would have liked him to stay on, but it's very much like you're stuck with certain characters that you can and can't use. Yes. And that's the nature of the beast for working for yeah. like, this big company. And like I could this. think of like countless examples of when that's happened in affected comic book runs. So I guess you're right. It's... It, it's only fair that it would happen in the films as well. And yeah. a great example of, because I'm sort of bringing up when the, the I think some of the greater world building and lead up to Infinity War they had to do, like getting the universe and Thor's world in a certain place so it was mm. in line with everything else. 
A great example of that in the comics is, of course, when you have tie-in issues for events in a series. So you're reading yes. a series, you like it, it's doing its own thing, and then suddenly the next three issues are, are forced to tie into a bigger event. Yeah. And it's just part of part of the mainstream superhero comics. So, but in regards to the grander scheme of forcing this to become part of the overarching storyline yeah, the Infinity the War storyline, story I feel like this wasn't as heavy. Handed. Yes, no, there was no talk of Infinity Stones, which was a nice relief. Mm. Oh, except at the beginning where Thor mentions that he'd been looking for Infinity Stones. Yeah. Um, Alright, All right, let's go to the next pickup. I, think I want to talk about Valkyrie. To... Yeah. Um, I really like Tissa Thompson's portrayal of Valkyrie, and I like that... So there's been various types of Valkyrie in the comics. She's had various comic origins. I assume all of them are white. Yes, white, blonde. Um, there's been <laughs> sort of a very sort of like Nordic look. Yeah, there's been various people taking up the mantle. Um, and they're almost like the female... They're like the Amazon, Amazon sort of thing. Of the yes. Asgardians. Well, I mean, I guess DC, in terms of like borrowing from mythology, DC has its has the Amazons and the Greek yeah. stuff, and Marvel has Thor and the Norse, Norse stuff. Yeah, and so um, I liked Tessa Thompson's character. She's like this... Uh, warrior with PTSD. Well, she's, post... lost, she's lost hope, is sort of... Yeah, like, she's... All her various... Like, I'm assuming it's her... I guess her lover or partner um, died on the battlefield. Yeah, it's, I think that's inferred. Is it canon that she's bisexual? No, I don't think it is. Okay. I think sure. it, maybe that was like a push of people wishing that... Oh! Maybe it was... Was it... Did news come out that they cut a scene showing she was bisexual? I'm not sure. I, I, I think it was more yeah, just... No, I think it was more her saying that she is. But, okay. um... Yeah, no, I like that she's... Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed... And Tessa Thompson... I think, I really bring, enjoy... I think she she brings... Something I noticed is she brings such a swagger to the character. Yeah, and Tessa Thompson... Um, I love her as an actress. Because uh, what else has she done? Admittedly, apart from Thor, I'm not really familiar with her work. Uh, Movie-wise, she's been in Selma... Yeah, uh, Creed. Uh, so, oh, who, which of course is directed by was directed by Bla- Black Panther uh, director Ryan Coogler. Yes, um, and she's also been in the series Westworld. Yeah, I didn't actually because the character here is so different. I forgot that she's like that company representative in Westworld who fucks a robot. Well, a lot of people in Westworld fuck robots, but that's sort of the first. I'm pretty sure, like the second scene we see her in, is she is doing a robot. Yeah, and. Um, the other thing, it felt very... Oh, I'm trying to figure out... What's her name? Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Was, I got that vibe off her as well. What Could you mm-hmm. unpack that? Because I haven't seen Terminator 2. Have you seen Terminator? No. Okay, so... I'm very young. She, like, so no, Linda, I just, I just so, haven't seen a lot of classic movies. So, look, Linda Hamilton is very, like... Like Ellen Ripley. Um, oh, okay. That very, like... Like, tough as nails. Tough as nails doesn't take no shit from anyone. But, like, understated? Not like a we- not like a Whedon heroine where they will, like, yeah. where it's very a more natural top. as opposed to a yes. Whedon one. Um, oh, that's why I like the character. Because yeah. she felt. I think what I liked is that you never. She never felt like she had to go out of her way to be tough. She, people just accepted she was tough. And whenever there was a situation where it needed, like, someone. That, where she acted, she always act. You know, she always acted in a tough sort of efficient way. So you were like, "Yeah, I get who this character is." You don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to go at it. It's very. 
I don't know what I was trying to say, but my point is, yeah, great character. Yeah, no, and this is the other thing I liked is that I didn't... I liked that they had that whole PTSD thing that I mentioned before about her being a, like, a warrior that's mm. seen some shit do, and is do struggling. You like, do you feel like they were... The yeah, I did. Because, I didn't feel like they really touched on that much. Well, no, I did, but I felt like it was... And this is a criticism, the whole... Um, Loki making her relive everything and remember all her friends um, wiping that away and wanting to like kill Hela yes um, yeah let's get together let's kill Hela type thing it was a quick almost wipe of yes I would agree that her character arc was, a, was it not would, it, be, it would have been cool to have a bigger discussion about why she doesn't want to go back to Asgard I, I would agree and I think that point I think, like, when Loki gives her the vision, I think there needed to be another story beat before she decided to help Thor. Yeah. Um, because he sort of confronted with the past. I think there needed to be a beat where she sort of began realised what she needed to do, to do to move forward. But, in fairness, this movie is dealing with quite a few like, threads. The Hulk, the Hulk-Thor relationship, yeah. Thor, Loki, and the Loki-Thor relationship. So yeah. it's a very... It's got a lot of storylines it's dealing with. I also like that they didn't just straight away make her as... Like, good? No, no, as in... She's she, real, real mean to Thor at first, which is Yeah, great. no, I like that she, they yeah, didn't make her the, a couple times. the love interest, given that Thor has broken up with... Um, they yeah. didn't, they didn't make one, her love interest. There's one little bit where they're a little bit close and it's awkward. Yeah, but it's it. like... Yeah, they have, a, like, a weird mutual respect for each other, which is cool. Like, it's, mm. it's almost like... She's on a level of Thor. Yes. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, it's cool. I like that. Um, but speaking of, like, female yes. characters that are on sort of, like, you know, that warrior level for Thor, there was the Warriors 3, and also... Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the complete erasure of Sif. Yeah. Well, no, that's... What it is is apparently, like, so Sif... She's too busy doing the TV show Blindsided. Yeah, correct? she couldn't get out of it. So... That's Jamie Alexander, not the characters. Yeah. So I do like the fact that um, well, this thing she went to the team. She went to she was on Agents of Shield for a while as well. The character Sif, yeah, she was. Yeah, so was um, she, wasn't given she, that she, she didn't die in, given that she didn't die in Agents um, of Shield. No, 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 no Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, it could you could easily have her as like you know there's Asgardians all over the place. Like she could she could have been somewhere else on a mission for Asgard. Yeah. I like that, that she still could be around. They didn't just wipe the character. Now, speaking of the Warriors 3... Yes. Zachary Levi, I, from memory, barely gets a line in this film. Yeah. Which, oh! which is the way I like my Levi. Scenery. Really? No. no I, I actually don't mind him as an actor. I think he's very charismatic. I didn't, be I, didn't, I didn't like him in this role. Yeah, I didn't like how the Warriors 3 was just wiped away straight away. Yeah. But that was this film. I think this film was like... I think this film sort of acknowledged... That Thor needed a new direction. Yeah. So, and I might quickly, if it's okay with you, Billy, I'd love to quickly pivot into another pickup, which is very related. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. And that is, I want to talk about the supporting cast in this film, which Valkyrie comes into, more the way the supporting cast was handled. Yep. Because something we brought up on Thor 1 was how important the supporting cast is. Yeah. Like, without Kat Dennings and um, uh, Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, and... Um, Steve, is it Steven Skarsgård who played Stellan Stellan Skarsgård who played Dr. Eric Svelvig um, they really grounded the film and I think yeah. it made it clear to me that Thor needs a supporting cast 
Yeah, whereas now and this is like cosmic sort of Thor. Yes. And he does have a support cast and as well. And they're completely different, but it works just yeah. as well. And I, look, I don't look. I don't mind that... I mean, there's so many different Thor characters. I mean, it sucked that the Warriors 3 did get wiped, but... But how much were they bringing to the table? Yeah. Um, I mean, they weren't even in... They weren't even a great... Like, they weren't even really that part of Thor the Dark World. There was... I think they tried to set up weird sexual tension between him and Sith. Yeah, and it was all, like, breaking Thor out, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, look, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This film really highlights how lackluster Thor 2 was, and how everything Thor 2 tried to do, yeah. Thor 3... Uh, right, yeah, like, right the supporting so cost... Yeah, the supporting cost was great in Thor, but it's like the, they've wiped them away sort of thing. I... Well, because Natalie Portman doesn't want to do the films anymore. Yeah, but also, no, I like the fact that the Warriors 3 were wiped to show how batshit crazy Hela and how strong she is and powerful Uh, to make her a threat. So she had to sort of get rid of a character we already know. Yeah, to make her a viable threat. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Billy, got another pick up for us? All right, I want to talk about um, Odin. Yeah, and just sort of some of the themes in this film. Yeah, I so obvi- to do that. yeah, so obviously, like um, once Loki is found out that he's pretending to be Odin, which uh, that, how good is his um is is uh, his Anthony acting. Hopkins acting as Tom uh, as Loki is very good. Yes, Loki I loved and, it. Yeah, Chef's kiss. It is Chef's kiss. Also. A uh, little Easter egg at home. Can you remember? I can remember a few of the actors who were in who were in the, the play? play. Yeah. Yes. So there's Sam Neill. Sam Neill, who of course was in Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. Um, there's Matt Damon as Loki. Yes. And, and I don't there know, is. Uh, yeah. There's Chris Hemsworth's brother playing <laughs> him. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out which so Hemsworth it is. It's it, not Liam. It's not Liam. How many Hemsworth are there? There's three Hemsworth brothers. Okay. Um, uh, it's so Luke Hemsworth. Luke yes. Hemsworth. I think he's the older Hemsworth brother, so there's... Yeah, he does look significantly older. Yeah, um, so there's, like, Chris. um, Liam. Liam. Liam is the sort of... Is he in the Hunger Games? Yeah, he's in the Hunger Games. He's been more of a... I'm trying to figure out the the genre. Um, YA, young adult? Yeah, young adult. So he's in a lot of the young adult movies and stuff. And, um, And, you know, his um, fiancé is... Well, fiancé or wife is Miley Cyrus. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Luke Hem- Hemsworth was in Westworld. Yes. Much like Tessa Thompson. Yeah, Luke Hemsworth has been in a lot of, like, Australian TV shows, doco um, dramas, and I'm he's just... also more of the, from what I've read, he's more of the theatrical Interesting. acting brother. You know I think what? He's the, he's the one that's always wanted to be out acting, and the other two just sort of, like, lopped in. <laughs> you know what his face looks like to me? What? And this is the roles I know him from. This holds true. Is he looks like somebody who's played a lot of cops or a lot of security and yeah. like heads of security. I think he was playing the role of like a he was a head- biker, <laughs> you know, like a Aussie drama, like sort of the crime shows that we have, like an underbelly, but like, oh, for like one of the underbellies. Yeah, um, but yeah, so yeah, that play scene was amazing. It's, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to that that I enjoyed. Yeah, but okay, so we finally, you know, get to get to Earth and they find who via Doctor Strange we'll talk about that because you have you, no no no, no. you have that. issues you have issues about that I know but we'll talk about it later okay. but they finally find where Odin is and Odin is very much he's um, sitting like, like is it Switzerland or 
Iceland or the Netherlands? I don't know. I think it's the Netherlands. It's a Scandinavian country. Yeah, and, like, he's sitting on a cliff, like, just looking at the nature and everything. But apparently, like, he broke through Loki's spell a while back, and he's just been embracing, you know... Just his forced retirement. Yes. Um, And, you know, he realises it's time to move on and move on and be with Frigga in the afterlife. Yeah, and then he sort of... I guess this this really... This film is about uh, Thor and Loki dealing with his... The, the shitty legacy he's left behind in yeah, the and of hell. The, yeah, and the other thing is he feels bad with not preparing his sons enough for that as well. Yeah, but I think... I, he does say that. Yeah, but I guess it doesn't make up for the fact that they spend the entire film trying to deal with essentially shit that he said, that yeah. he said in motion. Funny story. Yeah. Um, Easter egg a bit. That scene um, where they find um, Odin... Yeah. Um, and then, like, you know, Hela appears and they throw the hammer at Hela. It was originally filmed in, like, a side alley. Yes, because... And all, it's in the trailer. In the original trailer, it was, it, it was like, in an alley. And I think I know what you're going to point out. Is it so, something to do with the graffiti? No, no. Oh. From what I... From what I well, I'll, from I'll what bring what it I've read, done. Waititi wanted to f- reshoot it. Because originally in that... Um, Odin was meant to look and you even see it when if you can see like behind the scenes footage um, there's videos like videos and photos of Odin dressed like a a bum oh wow yeah so so he's going to be a hobo for a bit yeah so he's going to be because well obviously because his retirement home Shady Acres got that's right destroyed destroyed another easter egg Shady Acres is like a random retirement home that is just used in any reference in any film like yeah Shady Acres that's funny um, uh, so, so in, yeah. in the original trailer there was some graffiti in that back alley that said Skuck's Life yeah. and if you've seen Hunt for the Wilder People that is a tag that um, the main teenage character who's a vandal uses ah uh, see he, uh, I thought it was well, an art- what's his name Baker I forget the kid's name but yeah but that was a reference to that well yeah Taiki Waititi changed it to be in the Netherlands. Do you reckon it was his call or do you reckon it was Studio Man? Well, he said it was his call because he wanted to have more of... He wanted that scene to have more feeling because, like, he's yes. moving I feel like, on. I feel like the hobo scene would be played for laughs. Yeah. And it's cool because, like, you know, he does that sort of reference to, you know, moving Asgard here. That's, that's a good point. I like... I enjoyed the bit... Like, I enjoyed the idea of Hela sort of revealing that the history of Asgard was deliberately altered. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you read it this way, but I I almost read it like, it reminded me of the way that sort of colonial history is told. Yes. And you know what it reminded me of? Sort of the debate we're having in this country at the moment about Australia Day and changing, changing the date and how yes. it's sort of the white narrative versus the actual reality well, that know, happened to Indigenous people. And it reminded me a little bit of, of that, uh, that sort of theme and felt, felt especially poignant given a lot of white nationalists rally around sort of North mythology so I, think I felt like it was in that like in that well, way yeah, it was really like, I mean the, you don't hear more of stories about how gods and everything conquered and everything you, I mean you do hear them where you do hear those stories about you know, those myths and stuff about gods when they're not um, uh, when they're not praised to enough and hear them getting angry and stuff, but you don't hear about how they got their power and stuff. Interesting. You, yeah, that's a good point. But also, it's similar in the comics. Like, 
not much has said about how Asgard more, become Asgard. Odin's like, more of a dick consistently in the comics, though, isn't he? Like, yeah, he's well, never really now had, has the sort of affection that that Anthony Hopkins brings to the role. Now, in more modern stories, there's there is that whole like written drama about like you know there isn't that whole sort of sixties nostalgia writing. It's more modern writing. Yes, grittier. So I feel like that that story is more could be told now where it could be told back then sort of thing uh yeah no that's it i think what you may be getting at is that yeah i think we're at the point where we can have narratives that question question themselves and question the mythology they're a part of yeah funnily enough when she um destroyed that painting and revealed the actual painting underneath yeah when thor walks in later on and he looks at Oh, the, yeah, there's the, his face. Yeah, his face. There's a scar, there's a scratch, a crack over his eye. And that's the eye that gets cut out. I thought the eye, like, the bit where his eye gets cut out was so unconvincing and the makeup wasn't great. Yeah, like, it was a bit, it was a bit weird. And I think it was, that was because more they didn't want to show it in the trailer. Uh, okay. Because if you see... You don't want to give away. In the trailer, he actually has both eyes. They don't want to reveal it. So, in the comics, and I think even in Ragnarok, like the folklore tale, Thor does lose his eye, but it's more, he gives up his eye to gain knowledge, which yeah. is what Odin did. That's why Odin has one eye. He gives up his not, he gives up his eye to gain knowledge. It is, look, cool. it's yeah. easier than studying. Yes. <laughs> um, that's in, I think with him losing an eye, it just felt like... I could be wrong, but it felt like that was part of the ending point where Thor needed to be at the end. Because I could be wrong, but my guess is that the studios would come to these writers with, okay, this is where the movie, this is where you get get to start off from, and by the end of the two hours, this is where we need things. Okay. And to me, it felt like, okay, we start here, at the end of the film, Thor is in space, he's in a ship, Asgard is destroyed, and he's got one eye or whatever. That's what it felt like to me. Okay. And I could be wrong, I'm just, that's just speculation, but it what? felt a little bit forced. Okay. Well, but I do like, I like the aesthetic. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't think the it was execution, forced. The execution just felt a little bit. What did you think of the themes with Odin? Yeah. Uh, so like How it's sort of hoisted onto Loki and Thor, like how did... Yeah, I kind of like that. I'd, so I was saying to you before we started recording, actually, that on the second viewing... I noticed how grounded Taika Waititi's character work is. And he said before as well in an interview that he approached it like an indie film about it's almost like two mates who go out one night, get drunk and can't find their way home. Yeah. Uh, and knowing that and knowing that's how he approached it, I had a lot more appreciation for this film because this film really is about two sons who have been estranged and are forced back together to figure out what the hell they're going to do now dad's dead. Mm. I mean, and that's such a relatable you know, a, like a relatable and emotionally poignant story. Uh, and I feel like that's at the heart of this. Yeah, no, it is. And like, and I don't know if you felt this, Billy, but all the char- pretty much all the character conflict in this film felt like it came from a really, and I mean this in a great way, a mundane place. Like, it's not people arguing about how we're going to save the universe or carrying the fate of the universe. It's about Bruce Banner feeling insecure that he, people only want to hang around with him because he's a Hulk and Hulk feeling like no one really likes him and that everyone hates him. Yeah, like, but these are the, relatable things. Yeah, and all the characters kind of grew over the film as well. But the yes. other thing is like like the relationship between Thor and Loki. Like Loki is, you know, still up to his old tricks and Thor pretty much says, it. look, I love you as a brother. I love you unconditionally. You are my brother. 
That's such, well, you didn't say it exactly like but that. But that's what, yeah, that was... But, like, but at the end of the day, you're Loki and you're a dickhead. Um, yeah. You obviously don't want to grow up. Mm. And by the end of the film, he has grown up. I don't know if you feel this way, Billy, but I definitely... I mean, I definitely had those sort of realizations sometimes with members of my own family of being like, I love you, but I now just have to accept who you are and all the good and bad that that entails. Yeah, no, that's... Well, that's the thing. That's the I feeling mean, you get with... Family and friends. Yeah, for sure. The one thing I do worry, though, is the growth that was in these films... That it's going to be just completely ignored? In Infinity War. Do you think... Oh, so do you think Loki's going to have another heel turn? I mean, that's the kind of... You worry about that. Because, I mean, the way the (laughs) filming ends, that's pretty much... Like, if we're going timeline-wise, the film should open straight away with the the Asgard ship being attacked by... um, Thanos' ship sort of thing. Was that Thanos' ship? And we'll talk about it in... um, We'll talk about it in the... But I do know what that ship is. But yeah, like, I just hope the growth made doesn't just get wiped away as happens in some ensemble films. uh, Well, and you've also mentioned before as well, and I think... I'm sure we've talked about this before. Often these films are, like, are written and being worked on before, like, before the previous films are, you know, out. Film development's a long process. And a great example of this is how different and mundane the Wakandan stuff and technology we saw in Captain America Civil War was compared compared to the actual Black Panther film when it's had time to stretch stretch out. My concern is that my guess is you know the, the Infinity War script was probably penned before Thor Ragnarok, you know, came out. Yeah, true. But I feel like maybe that's the thing we don't know. Yeah, we don't. But yeah. We don't want to assume. But I guess with production schedule, I think there's all... And because you've got different hands at the wheel, I feel there's like always going might. to be a little disconnect. And it's it's hard when you love a certain direction that a, a certain creative team takes characters. Speaking of disconnect... Yeah. Um, because, you know, when these movies were first made, there was stuff put... Props put in certain scenes. <laughs> oh, I know what you're referring to now. Certain props put in certain scenes yes. to, you know appeal to like oh my god there's this this and this well a great example of this is when Sitwell mentioned Stephen Strange before well before he gets his powers probably because they're like oh let's just put that easter egg in and they probably didn't realise Doctor Strange was going to get his own film exactly Um, so in the first Thor film um, in the throne room it's the the vault the vault of Asgard yeah in the vault of Asgard there's all these there's the casket of ancient winters Mm -hmm. There's the very large Eye of Agamotto statue, looking statue. Um, there's the Pit of Eternal Flame, or the, yeah, yeah, the bowl like, sort of thing. That magic fire thing. And there's the Infinity Gauntlet. That's right. And then I, I just love that. that Hela just walked through there and was like, that's a fake, and throws it to the floor. Well, it has to be, right? Yeah, which is great. I love that. That was amazing. It's That's like an easy way to be like, oh, but it's here, yeah, it's not over there, but... Of course, and because one, because that was I my had, interpretation of crazy. Well, look, I've been that guy when I spotted my continuity error. I felt good about myself, so I yeah, it's good I dealt with it. Did you really? Well, like in a shallow this? sort of way. <laughs> um, I'd like to quickly maybe talk a bit about some of the comedy in this film. Yeah, sure, why not? So it does feel very Australiana, New Zealand, it does. and I love that. It. I was worried because it did. Okay, so this opened up maybe. A week before America, I was worried how it would be appreciated over there in the States, and it was appreciated well. I think I enjoyed the humour. I think maybe some scenes had a little bit too much and chased the joke too much. 
See, this thing, I think I like it because I, I like Thor as a big dumb idiot. No, no, I love this characterization of the big, like, the lovable meathead, right? Yeah. That's That's how Waititi... This is a, the, how Waititi treats him as a director, and this is how the script sort of characterizes him. He's, like, lovable, heart of gold. Also, he's, like... He's not stupid, but he's, like, a bit of a meathead who relies on his strength to solve problems most yeah. of the time. So when it's, a, when it's a situation that he can't just fight his way out of, there's generally conflict and problems. Mm. Okay. No, look I, look, I really enjoyed the comedy in this film. I love the... I it was a mix bag, not not mixed bag in a bad way, but mixed bag in a good way of oh, like, like various types of humor. Okay, I'm gonna... there's like the whole joke jokes, and then there was the whole like interaction jokes. There's like the, the way characters interact. Yeah, like the grandmaster. Yeah, uh, which was I mean I think seeing this movie again, I just enjoyed the nuance that Goldblum puts into it. Do we do we want to talk about Goldblum? Look, we, we certainly can talk about Goldblum. I I, pray I just wanted to bring up something first, quickly yeah. before we jump into the on the Goldblum bandwagon. Is I think Cork's too much. No, I way. struggle with no. the fact that he's pure comic relief, and he I sort of felt a little, he Taiki was like Drax. This Ta- felt like Drax. Taiki Waititi based him apparently on a Kiwi bouncer. Yes, he wants yeah, to he's him, talked about that. Which I think is amazing. So I just I just thought that the character was... there was just a, I just would have liked if the character was played just a little bit... Like, still did jokes, but was a little bit straighter. Um, so do you want to talk about Goldblum? Yeah. I pray at the altar of Goldblum. He's a, he's a funny, funny man. You know what? It's funny that there's really... People he does serious are, and comedy well. But I think recently there's been like a renaissance where people have gained a new appreciation for what he yeah, does. That's, yeah, that's always the case. But it's like, I've yeah. always loved him. He was amazing. Like, I, I think the first film I saw him in was The Fly. Oh, really? Okay, I thought you were going to say Jurassic Park. No, The Fly. What, what year was The Fly? 80s? 80s. But, you know, I love my horror. You know this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Okay, yeah, no, I think Goldblum was great. I think... Okay, Who's a better villain, uh, Goldblum or no, well, not Jeff Goldblum? Sorry, the Grandmaster or Hella? There is a correct answer. Well, the Goldblum, the Grandmaster isn't really a villain. I, but it, well, okay, he's the main obstacle that Thor has. He's to an overcome. obstacle. That's the. I don't mean in villain the, in terms of. I don't think he's evil per se, but he is a, in a villain role. He's someone that Thor yeah, has to defeat. Sort of. I feel like Hella was still like better. See, I think. I think the grand. What I liked about the Grandmaster was that he was a non antagonist, yeah, but not a villain. I and feel. It, yeah, and that he sort of. I liked that his skill was his charisma. Yeah, and that's how he sort of built this all up because he's charismatic, not because and, he's strong or powerful. And I thought that was the bit where he's like killing his cousin. It's just, ew, he's. I'm stepping in him. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I see. I, it's a, it's a great character. Uh, uh, all right. Oh, well, yeah, for people that don't know, and I think it might still be the case for the movie universe, the Grandmaster is the brother of the Collector. Well, And that would explain his longevity. Yes. And why he sort of has been able to build up his empire, because he just is around for ages. Yes. And that sort of brings with it a rev- an ability to plan, obviously, because mm. you're around for ages, so you can plan long term, but also a sort of other creatures will potentially have a reverence for you if you live a really long time. Um, all right, what do you want to pick up next? Look, uh, I am running out of steam, so I'd like to sort of talk, uh, before I forget, some of because uh, there's a bunch of Easter eggs in this film. Yeah. So, do we want to touch on some of those? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, oh, what are one that you, you get your notes out. All right. Uh, so, let's talk about the fact uh, that 
so uh, the spaceships were named after Holdens. Yes, types so, of Holdens, which yeah, are Australian. So e- yeah, so each of the ships are named after Holden cars. So we so had a Commodore, the, the Statesman, the Tirana, and the Kingswood. Was there a Tirana? Yeah, there was Amazing. a Tirana. I love Why it. The, I li- I like how like with the exception of Tirana, all of them you Tarana, sound like, you gotta say it properly. Tarana sounds like sounds like they could be like cool spaceship names. The Kingswood. <laughs> Yeah, no, Kings were all common. Like, you, do you know why I got excited about Kingswood? Did you ever watch the TV show Kingswood Country? I did not. Is that an Australian? Is that a classic Australian TV show? Yeah, uh, not too. It's not good. No, not now. No. Okay. Oh, stereotypical like white male. I was, with, I was yeah. about to say the way your face looked. I'm like, oh, so it's a racist. Stere- no, well, not mm, racist. It's adjacent? a product of its time. Yeah, yes, okay. like he's got a he's got a like a stereotypical white white family. Yeah. Um, his daughter married an Italian. Oh, so does that cause Italian a lot of conflict? Wog, like oh, you no. know, there's a lot of wog jokes. So like, it's okay. very stereotypical Australian Italian as well. Okay. Like big chain, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my yeah, so, uncle used to watch that show heaps. Um, so we've got yeah, we've got the spaceships. Are the spaceship they escape on is the colours of the Australian uh, Indigenous flag? Yeah. So the Commodore is designed around the colours of the Ab- Aboriginal Indigenous flag. Australian, yeah. yeah. Which of um, course is um, red, yellow, and black. Yes, red, yellow, and black, which is meant to sort of. Um, is it the sun? Sun. The symbolic meaning is sorry. So the black stripe at the top. Uh, represents the Aboriginal people. The yellow uh, circle in the middle represents the sun, and the red at the bottom uh, represents the the land. And the red ochre used in ceremonies. Okay. Like, the that so that's the Commodore. That's the ship that they fly on at the end. Yes, uh, but they. I believe the justification for that is that it's uh, it's sort of a spacefaring vessel, so it can handle the rigors of going through the giant wormhole. Yeah. Um, now the other ship, the Valkyrie, which is the one that all the Asgardians are on later. Um, it's you know the Valkyrie was that the Commodore? No, no, the the Commodore is the one that they fly yes. to Asgard. The small like sort what's of the big one? Circle, it? The big one that's the Valkyrie. It's not that's not a Ford. Um, I'm not sure why. Yeah, it's I not mean, a Ford. Ford. Yeah, I don't know. It's Are you sure it's Valkyrie because that's the name of Valkyrie. So yes, I am correct. It's called the Valkyrie, and it uh, it shows the colors of the Tino Rang. Uh, Taranga flag? Tino Ranga Apologies for butchering that name. The, the Tino Ranga Tiratanga uh, flag, which is the Maori flag. Um, now, the flag is. it's So, it's designed in the colours of that. So, it's the national. It's one of the national flags throughout New Zealand. Um, the design behind it is the, the Rangi and the Papa suggesting the sky and the earth and the physical realm of light and being which was created when they were separated so it uses like black and white and red uh so do we want to talk a little bit about the faces on the giant tower in the middle of the car sure thing there's a whole bunch of easter there's a whole bunch of there's, characters that are hinted at there yeah, yeah so the tower of the tower of faces which is like that's previous champions so this man thing um aries Sorry. I know you're waiting to make a joke. Sorry, Man-Thing just, it's funny, and his first appearance within giant-sized Man-Thing, it's just so funny to me how he's no like one thought this, yeah, that I he know. sounds like a dick. He's like this swamp-type creature. Well, um, he's Swamp-Thing, right? Yeah, he's like Swamp-Thing. Um, no, well, Swamp-Thing is the DC version. Um, I just want to quickly bring up something, because I'd be devastated if I forgot to bring it up. Yeah. Do you think Thor saw Hulk stick in this film? Yes. Of course. 
I love it. Well, no, we'll go back to Thor's dick in a minute. Sorry, uh, Hulk's dick. Hulk's dick. Well, we can minute. bring up Thor's dick if we want as well. Uh, White yeah, Stubble so, at one. So the other faces are Man Thing, Ares, Better yep. Ray Bill. Yes. By Beast, Dark Crawler, and Fing Fang Foo. By Beast? Yes. It's, he has two heads. It's not because he's bi. Well, maybe he's bisexual as well. Who knows? Who maybe knows? each head has its own preference. You do you type thing. It's whatever. Well, he could. He has two heads. Yeah. Um, so... Um, you want to end on me forcing some more dick chat? Yeah, so you wanted to talk about you, Hulk's dick. Because there's that scene where Hulk... Gets could, out of the spa. Yes. Because we've talked about before. On and he walks the, around. The question, does Hulk have a dick? Ass. Yeah, he has a dick. So, yeah, he gets up, you see his butt, and then Thor, it looks like gets it with... Do you think he's cut or uncut? I thought we talked about this before. Yeah, I know. And I we couldn't, couldn't figure out if... if like, no, if no, you, when, when, he grow, when he turns into oh, the Hulk... Oh, sorry. Yeah, he'd yeah, still okay. stay uncut or cut, but what do you think? Tell us, listeners, what do you think? Is, is yeah. Hulk uncut or cut? <laughs> this is, this is the, the, the one does... question from the Marvel Universe that we need answers. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with Arn. Do you think it's a big veiny dick? Yes, I would assume so. It's yeah. green and veiny. I, well, what do you think Very it is? veiny, like porn style veiny fish. Hulk is big and veiny. Like so... those crazy, disgusting dildos I... that you find, the ones okay, that are wow. on top. Wow. I, yeah, I look, I think it's pretty baby. Um, is it like a baby's arm holding an apple type thing, do you reckon, Hulk's dick? <laughs> you brought this up. Yeah, you I know mean, how far I can go. You know true. my twisted um, humour. That's <laughs> your twisted, twisted humour. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, well, I like that it's canon that potentially Hulk, uh, Thor has seen Hulk's dick. Yes. Also, they say the word orgy in this movie, which felt a bit edgy for a Marvel film. The yeah. fact that... Like they openly talked about a character having orgies. Um, do we want to talk about Hela? Because we haven't really mentioned her. Hela yeah, yeah. and um, Scourge as well. Is it much to... I don't... I, I look, think... I like that they got Scourge exactly like the comics, which, which is kind of cool. I mean, he's not in it for that long. Um, and he dies at the end. Like, he's a very done-in-one character. I do like the whole, like, him with the machine guns is, is a throwback to... Is that, um... Thor... Th- yeah, I know the actual issue. Thrall okay, 362 by Walter Simonson. Okay, yes, I was going to say, is that a uh, and, reference to the yeah, Simonson? Yeah, and in the, in the comics he was actually called Scourge the Ex- Executioner. Yeah, and isn't he a uh, sidekick of the Enchantress? Yes. So it's interesting they brought him into this film. Yes, and I can't remember if... There was... Okay, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was a villain um, that I mentioned it before. Sif went on to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., she the was character. going. Yeah, she was going. And was the someone. enchantress in that? Yeah, I can't remember if the villain was the enchantress or, some, or not. No, she, maybe she was someone. I, I, I remember the character vaguely. She could mm. like ensnare men. Mm. Um, look, it'd be cool to have the enchantress as a villain for one of the next films. Maybe I don't know. I feel like Thor. I would kind of like if they continued to push Thor in the cosmic direction. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, and they have cosmic villains rather. Or than have like, her as a side villain or something like. Yeah, that. maybe like an antagonist, but not the the main villain. Oh, what do you want to talk about in regards to Hela? I like that her origin is different um, in this What film. do you mean by... D- so, I mean, in the comics... Because she kind of just appears in the film. I mean, there's not really... She's locked away. He, yeah, Odin just says her power's fading and then she literally just steps out of nowhere. Yeah, he's locked her away somewhere. Um, in the comics, her... Her origin is different. She's the daughter of Loki. Okay. Um, and also Fenris, the wolf, is also the daughter of... Sorry, the son of Loki. Man, Loki got around. Yes. Um, Wait, is that in the comics or in North and Soul? Uh, both. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but in this, it's here. She's the firstborn of Odin, and I'm assuming Frigga. It isn't actually mentioned. Yeah, if Frigga is. Because Frigga got killed, of course, in the second film. And you know what's funny is that she's never. Well, I guess she's never really mentioned in this film at all. No, but apparently some of the music that was used during her funeral march was referenced in this, but I didn't notice. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I certainly didn't pick up on that. Yeah, look, I liked the design of her. I thought it was great, and it suited her design of the comics. I thought it was. I thought it was going to be over the top, but it was amazing and it suited her so well. I think it's because Blanchett's performance was deliberately very sort of oh. very stage actor in a sense. It was very dramatic and very. I sort of love Kate Blanchett and everything she's in. I just she I, is very like how we talked about Tilda Swinton. Yeah, being able to mold herself to the various yes. characters and roles. I feel like Kate Blanchett can. She did this art piece called Manifesto. And it was like over 30... She was playing the role of 30 different characters giving a manifesto, like delivering one. Okay. 30 different types of characters. Male, female. Yeah, Different walks of life. Uh, different situations, social and whatnot. And it's just... I mean, it was... When it was displayed in an art um, at a gallery, it was like you go to a separate television and see the next one. But they released it as a movie, like you could see all of them in one thing. It's very long and tough to go through. I was about to say, it, I'm going to be honest, it sounds like a slog. Yeah, but it was really cool to watch that, and I think she's a phenomenal actress. I just I just think the character of Hela wasn't overly interesting. I, that's not on Blanche Hedge. No, just, no, she just felt a little bit underused, but I feel like that's... But that's all Marvel, it's, it's the Marvel think, ruling thing, Yeah, right? I think it's the writing. Yeah, of course. I mean, even Serto was underused a bit. Yeah. I mean, he didn't... He, is, he wasn't as grand as he was in the comics... Like uh, in the comics, he's almost akin to Mephisto slash the devil. Interesting. He's like the, he is essentially the almost like the, the devil of Thor. The, yeah, the devil of the Asgardian. Fun fact: uh, Clancy Brown voiced Serta, who uh, and this was Clancy Brown's second sort of role in the Marvel universe uh, because he also played the blacksmith in uh, Daredevil season two, who was sort of the Punisher's old army commander turned like I think drug lord. Oh, uh, okay. Ah, uh, so familiar face popping up. But, yeah, I agree. I think uh, she's just symptomatic of the fact that... And Kevin Feige straight out said this, that Marvel writes their villains to serve the heroes. And yeah. that's very true on this. The whole role of Hela was to bring Thor to a certain point, which is being in space with one eye on a spaceship. What did you think about um, Bruce Banner Hulk in this? Yeah, I, I think I touched on it before. We sort of talked about uh, the, the way... The, all the characters were very grounded with um, sort of mundane problems mm. in many ways. And so, so Bruce Banner is sort of feeling insecure about the fact people only bring him around when when they want the Hulk. And the mm. fact that Hulk, it feels like Hulk's going to ch- take over. And then, of course, Hulk feels like no one really likes him. And, that, and struggles with the fact that Earth hates him. I like that. Um, or he thinks Earth hates him. Whether they do or not is really uh, discussed. Well, we, we discussed off mic about how in various interpretations of the Hulk in movie oh, wise yes. the Hulk hasn't really talked much it's just been growling yeah and I feel like he maybe, was very mouthy in this in comparison yeah and I feel like maybe him being in control for about two and a half years or so has given um, the Hulk more intelligence and um, like how he discussed how he feels about Earth he's been able to speak his mind so to speak mm. yeah I like that I'm looking forward to seeing more of Talkative Hulk. Yeah, I don't think we're... I personally don't think we're going to get him again. I think... Did, I know. feel Sorry, like... Infinity War. I feel like... Yeah, he'll have like a full... A full um, 
full diatribe yeah. where he he explains like um like what Silent Bob does in the Jane Silent Bob film where he has like a full monologue. Oh God. <laughs> How did you um, Kevin Smith? I'm so sorry. Um, but my point is that it's, to me in this film it sounded like his dialogue because it was just a scene with just him and Thor like to make things work functionally mm. they had to have him talking a lot. Mm. Well, do we? Why don't we jump into Sandwich, shall we? Well, we haven't discussed Thor. Well, I feel like I feel like we have. I feel like we have throughout. Okay. What did you want to bring up in regards to Thor? I'm Apart f- from his killer abs. His killer abs, his sexy haircut. I like the haircut and the beard. He looks better in this film than he has in any other films. Yeah, I I like the haircut too. Yes. I I think it I think it again sort of helps take the character in a new direction and sort of push away from the sort of stuffy uh, sort of very rigid like view of mythology that the first two films had. I like that they made him, like, not, like, overly steroid-type Hulk, like Thor. He was, like, slightly slender in this film, but it still had a bit of, like, he's a powerful person, muscles and whatnot. He just didn't doesn't have to look like, you know, the Hulk almost. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, I... Mm. Yeah, okay. Alright, do you want to jump into your favourite bit, Stanwich? Yeah, alright. Uh, he cuts Thor's hair, that's what he does this week. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about it? It was lame, but I didn't mind it. It's fine. I think I stomached this better than some of Stan's and Maldia moments because it served a function. Thor had to get his haircut, so they got Stanley to do it. Well, he didn't have to get a haircut, but the haircut looks good. I enjoyed his Stanley's costume in this. It felt like really strongly like Jack Kirby. Yeah, well, yeah. Talking about like Jack Kirby, there was a lot of it in the film. That's kind of almost a Easter egg. Like there was some. A lot of designs, wise everywhere of Kirby's well, like art, like all the sort of line, design. line that the, the way the line or the line yeah, designs it, and everything even the, Jack Kirby. Even the crowd in the stadium, everyone looked like almost mm. a mini celestial. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. I I really did enjoy how much this movie acknowledged. Yeah, like sort of acknowledged the contributions of Kirby through its homage to him, which was mm. really nice. Um. All right. So we've done Stan Watch. Do you want to talk about the post-credit and after-credit? Alright, well, the first post-credit uh, is Loki and Thor in the ship. Yes. They're sort of... Again, I think this comes back to what we were saying before about big lug Thor. Yeah. Where he sort of said something stupid and then it's proved wrong, which yeah. is everything's going to be fine. And of course, a giant ship appears. Yes. And I didn't know who this ship belonged to. Oh, really? You didn't think straight away it was Thanos's? You know what? This because I'm an idiot. I'm not, I just assumed it was like a Chitari ship. I didn't no. think it was like plain off. So ship. it's called the Sanctuary Two. <laughs> what happened to the Sanctuary One? I think the Sanctuary One is that mobile base that is in oh. the Avengers One. Just a floating rock. Oh, oh no! Yeah. Or those weird. Was there? A... I'm trying to remember. I think Sanctuary, like the first Sanctuary, is where Thanos was like sort of staying. Okay. That where... weird floating rock sort of. Yeah, thing that space. sort of thing. Um, so then the post-credit scene is the Grandmaster encountering right. a group of his former subjects who are still rebelling. Yeah, I Do you think, think he's alive after that credit? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think... I think somehow he works, he worms his way well, out. Well, that's there. kind of, he's super, he's sort of, the way he survives it, he's very charming and charismatic, not mm. unlike real Jeff Goldblum, who, yeah. who does acting roles based on his charm and charisma. Yes. Um, well, we, now it's time to go into our... Usually the final segment for the show, but tonight it's just, or in this podcast, because you could be listening to it any time, obviously, that's mm. how podcasts work. Um, uh, the, for the final part of this podcast, we we're going to talk about Thor, Ragnarok, we've got a segment called, if you like this, 
read, read this. Um, so do you want to go first? Oh, do you mind if I quickly explain a segment? Sure. And, and then I might chuck it over to you if you can. Yeah. Um, so in this segment, we recommend you uh, books, uh, some from Marvel, some that are just sort of a generic comic, uh, non-Marvel comic books. Um, that we think if you enjoyed this film, you'll get it. You'll get a kick out of the, out of these comics. Um, so Billy, what did you want to talk about? What did you want to recommend? So I've mentioned this before, but I feel like everyone should just grab a sort of trade or like an essential. Those sort of like essential omnibuses. Of central omnibus of Walter Simonson's run on Thor, because that's a lot of that is kind of referenced in this. Okay. Film. What about yourself? That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I know Simonson Run is sort of seen as classic. Um, we've had this issue on past episodes uh, where I often with certain characters I haven't read a whole bunch of their stuff, so I recommend the same books. So this is this will be the third Thor podcast now that I've recommended Jason Aaron's Thor Run. That's fine. Uh, but it's like it's big. There's a lot of it, and it's a bloody good Thor run. Um, um, I, I think if you're new to the character of Thor, I think Jason Aaron is a great jumping on point. I was going to mention also Planet Hulk. Uh, yeah, which, which is by Greg Pak. Um, John Romita Jr.? Uh, well, there's various artists involved. Okay. Oh, because it was like a big event, right? Yeah. Um, now, it ran through like uh, about, I think, 10 issues of Incredible Hulk. So what happens is the Hulk grew too unstable for Earth. So didn't the Avengers send him into space? The Illuminati, which oh, is like course. the sort of big... Tony wigs. Stark? Tony Stark, uh, Professor Xavier, Black Bolt... Um, Mr. Fantastic, um, not Namor, Namor was against it, um, so it's sort of like the big wigs. Black Panther initially, like, met them all and said, you're all idiots for grouping up and making decisions for the universe. Oh, so it's basically the people arrogant enough to be like, we can make decisions. It's almost like the heads of various sections of, like, there was the head of the Inhumans, the head of, yeah. like, Underwater, the head of the... Hero, like the head of human villain, uh, human heroes, the head of the mutants, Professor Xavier. But you do thing. feel like all these characters will have a certain amount of ego to them to yeah, be able totally. to like, do this. Yeah, they thought that it was best for them to sort of mm. uh, fix things up before they. And didn't that happen in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run where the Illuminati like wiped Cap's mind because Cap found out they formed the Illuminati with uh, again? Yeah, they he found out they formed it again and he wiped their mind. Uh, they yeah, wiped yeah. his mind so he wouldn't remember yeah yeah but um yeah so they sent Hulk away Hulk lands on this this planet which becomes like a sort of gladiatorial planet mm. um yeah and he, he works up the gladiator gladiator ranks so I think gladiator the movie but Hulk yes yeah I enjoyed the gladiator feel and they're sort of the same thing he, he's like uh, fellow gladiators that you meet he becomes almost king of that planet as well Oh, in, oh, sorry. In, in, Pla- in Planet Hulk. Yes, of course, yeah. And then sorry, that I was also... getting confused with because of the Gladiator stuff as well, right? Yeah, right. and then that also ultimately leads to the storyline World War Hulk as well because he comes okay. back to Earth. Like, really pissed? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, definitely grab that if you want. Okay. What are some other ones that you mentioned? Um, so what I'm going to do now is I've talked before how Thor, uh, the franchise at its best blends fantasy with sci-fi, so I'm going to recommend a good fantasy book. I'm going to recommend a good sci-fi book. So... The fantasy book I'm going to recommend is Headlopper, okay. written and drawn by Andrew McLean. I have that, but I have not read it It's yet. really good. Uh, so it's about a giant... Um, I definitely enjoy this Headlopper more than Andrew McLean's previous work. I read Apocalyptic Girl. 
Okay. The art, his art is always good. Yes, the writing on Apocalyptic Girl and the story didn't really do it for me. Whereas Headlock is just straight swords and sorcery fantasy. Big dude, he has a sword, and sort of the hook of it is the fact that he carries this head of a witch on his on his belt. Okay. Um, and basically, because this witch, he's she no longer has a body, but she's too powerful for. So she continues to live just as a head, and he's. She's too powerful to kill and too powerful to be left alone. So he's taken it upon himself to basically keep her prisoner by carrying her with him. And there's this very funny discourse between him and Agatha the Blue Witch, okay. who is of course not happy about the fact that she's, that she's now just a head. Um, and the the sci-fi comic. Look, I mentioned this last week. It's a superhero comic, but I think it's sort of from issue, ooh, maybe seventy, sort of midway through the series. It, it takes a little space opera turn, and that is of course Invincible. Yes. Written by Ryan Kirkman, uh, <clears throat> Robert Kirkman. Sorry, written by, uh, drawn by Ryan Otley. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So that's a, like, there's a lot of it, and I think the first sort of arcs are certainly a product of their time. And in terms of the early two thousands, there's definitely some stuff there that is a little bit problematic now. Yeah. But overall, the series, I think it's really good and a whole lot of fun. Um. Some other stuff that I was going to mention yeah, is do. yeah, essentially another essential run of Lee Lee Kirby. A bad run on Thor. Yeah. Um, the other one is, um, just, there's an event that usually runs in Marvel Comics called Contest of Champions. It runs every so often. Um, there's different, so like, versions of it, and it's essentially like, the heroes get kidnapped, heroes and villains get kidnapped off Earth, they're forced to fight in, like, a gladiatorial style combat, um, because of a certain villain or something like that is in <laughs> that charge. About right. Like, one, one series, the Brood were in charge. Oh wow! That alien series. Is this sort of and like they Marvel? Is this sort of like Marvel What If? Like something they do from time to time? Or? No, no, no. This is actual like it's, it in, it's in continuity. Yeah. The reason I mentioned it is because the games in Thor Ragnarok was called Contest of Champions. Ah, uh, so that's it's, it's a reference to that. Yeah, it is. Um, yes, yeah, so that's me. Awesome. Well, that wraps up the Thor Ragnarok this week. So Billy, now because this is this. You know the. This I is the, the last insane... episode yeah. before Infinity War. Well, the insane thing is, right? When this episode comes out, I we would have seen Infinity War. Yeah, so we're releasing I'm, this. I'm episode... seeing it on the win- the Wednesday it comes out. Yes, yeah, same. Uh, we're releasing this on the Wednesday that, uh, Infinity War comes yeah. out. Uh, yeah. So and then obviously the following week we will release the Infinity War episode. So it's crazy to me that when people are listening to this, we would have seen Infinity War. Um, so, look, do we want to jump into, as we promised on the Black Panther episode, we're going to, re- uh, the week before Infinity War, re- recap Black Panther. So do we mm-hmm. want to do that first, or do we want to talk about the in, where the Infinity Stones are in the Marvel Universe? Let's do Black Panther, and then we'll yep. also do our sort of top ten and bottom three. Yeah, of course. Okay, so Black Panther obviously came out this year. Um, now that... That's Gone Gangbusters. Yeah. I've it's been... an amazing film. Yes, uh, I think one of the reasons it re- resonated so much is be- because it felt so different, both yeah. in terms of like it had a predominantly black cast, which is something nev- we've never had in a superhero film. They think yeah. they're generally a big old vanilla fest. Uh, it had a really distinct voice, which I loved, and that fucking soundtrack was so, so good. The budget for it, we'll recap. The budget Sorry, for it was yep. yeah, about $200 million. Do you want to guess how much it's made so far? One point something billion would be my guess. One point three one six billion. Boy, that's crazy. Yes. Um. So yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it's the highest grossing 
I don't think it's the highest grossing Marvel film. I don't think it is. Or think very close to it. It's confusing because they have like highest grossing film and then comparatively make, making up for inflation. So third, okay, so it's the third highest grossing film. With after, inflation? Uh, no, no, after the MCU. Like third grossing solo film in the MCU. Okay. Uh, after Avengers and Age of Ultron. Why is Age of Ultron the freaking biggest film? Because everyone thought it was going to be as good as the Avengers. And it wasn't. No. But it, it is pretty great that the... The, the next the, film. Yeah, the next film out of all the solo films, and even the team films, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther is number three. Because you're talking about, you know, there's the Cat films and the Iron Man films, and it's crazy that... And it's great that Black Panther blows them out of the water. Yeah. I think it goes to show what happens when you give people who haven't gotten... A wide a, berth as well to make. You give people room, and also when you... It's funny, like, a lot of the time, people, the people who have sort of been against these films happening say that they, there's no market for them and this and that, and it goes to show that there are, there's a huge market who wants to see different types of people who aren't just like a straight white dude in film. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, as we just, we've mentioned in the podcast, it was directed by Ryan Coogler. Yep, who of course directed, I think he's, was it the film he did most recently before would have been the Creed film? Yes. Um, it stars Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael B. Jordan as as a uh, Killmonger. Killmonger. Lupita Lupita Nyong'o as um. Oh, what was his character's name? I'm, was yeah, it the rhino guy. No, no, no. Lupita Nyong'o was um. Oh, I'm so sorry. She, of course, is Nakia. Yeah. Um, the, and then there's a, the uh, head of the the his personal guard. No, no, no. Nakia is his. Former lover. Oh my goodness! I'm getting I'm you're, terrible I, I can, today. Yeah, you're you're still a bit like head coldish at the moment. Um, then there's D- Denai Guria as a Koya. Yep. Who is you know the the head of the. Um, Notice how I'm just too scared to say anything now because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Dora uh, Dora, Dora Milaje, the uh, yes, special forces. Yep. Um, Freeman is Everett K. Ross. Daniel Kaluuya is Wakabi, who, who is the head of the from, security force. Who is, of course, from um, Get Out. Yeah, Get Out. Uh, Letitia Wright as Shuri. Uh, Winston Duke as Mbaku. Um, uh, Angela Bassett as Ramonda. Uh, Forrest Whitaker as Zuri. Uh, Andy Serkis as Ulysses Claw. Also, John Carney um, and Florence Kasumba come back as T'Chaka and Yoya. Um, John Carney's son, uh, Ant Andwa, portrays young young T'Chaka as well, which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, yeah, just everyone loves all the characters. It was just, it's so amazing, like, still, like, months later, um, it's a beloved film. Like, M'Baku is one of the standout characters as well. well I thought I think he was a lot of people like be... the fact that he's a, uh, Winston Duke is a hot, hot man. Is that was man. the impression I've gotten online as part of it as well as how uh, how I want to join the Winston Duke is. Uh, I know there were memes going around about I believe it was how much Michael B. Jordan enjoys anime and people were like loving the fact that he that is amazing that, that he, he really loves enjoys anime, anime. Yeah. I think it was was it anime or was it, was it the like Kingdom Hearts no anime. Anime. Was anime yeah I'm pretty sure he likes manga as well amazing yeah just, just because he was always playing like these sort of jockey really beefy roles you wouldn't expect that he's a giant like nerd yeah. that loves manga and anime um so yeah it's but yeah Shuri I mean people really love the character of Shuri as yeah, well yeah as well 
Um, it got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Despite... Even, was that... Wait, was that uh, critics? Um, or was that people? Also, yeah, no. That's it, critics. It's also, as of February 18th, yep. it's the best-reviewed live-action superhero film on the site, beating The Dark Knight and wow. Iron Man. You know what? I'm not surprised, though, because people want things that are different. Yeah. And this movie was like had its own vision and its own take, and I think it had its own interpretation of of how what a superhero story could be, both in the way that you had, obviously, the African elements, but also the way that the James Bond sort of, you know... International man and mystery elements were yeah. used in there as well. The, the other thing that times change as well. So, like you know, after, with social media now, like you're accustomed after watching the film, walking out of the cinema, like either you go to the bathroom or something, or you're waiting for your partner, or they go for a cigarette or something like that. You're accustomed to like go on there and be like, just watched, just watched, hashtag Black yeah. Panther. It's amazing. Blah blah blah. So do you think it's sort of like uh, the positivity for a film? And well, apparently it can sort of reach critical mass. Open, critical. Yeah, well, not that I look into the social aggregators and stuff like yeah. that, but apparently, like, um, it was like the highest like hashtag sort of thing wow. for a film in its grossing weekend, which is opening weekend, which is pretty cool. Like, I mean, I like that that aspect of. Um, social media where you can talk about something you love mm, the way to connect with other people who love the same things you do I think yeah. it's really nice yeah. except if that it, except if that same thing that you love is white nationalism then maybe not no no <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah no so I, I, I completely agree it's really nice that all these people who love this film uh, and, the, and the things that was championing championing uh, could yeah could sort of reach out and help sort of bring this film to dizzying heights in terms of in terms of the box office numbers it's been able to pull. I guess, look, my concern is I hope that the the personality of both Wakanda, Wakandan technology and Black Panther, I hope that sort of personality and edge to the character that Ryan Coogler's film brought, I really hope that that isn't lost in Infinity War. Yeah, no, look, I don't think it is going to be. In the Russos, I trust. Um, I feel, no, look, I do, I mean, I do worry about the whole Thor thing. Just because, yeah. um, I mean, they were both filmed at the same time. Infinity War and Thor. Uh, Infinity War, Thor, and sort of Black Panther, similar okay. times. But I feel like they might have been working all together. And also from the trailer, it does look like Wakanda looks like Wakanda as it was in Black Panther, yeah. as opposed to Civil War. Look, I, I, I hope so. And I really hope that Black Panther gets his due. I mean, I'm confident he will, but... Yeah. It'd be nice to see sort of the character in an advisor role and sort of like... The, the sort of the because I mean Tony Stark's intelligence, but mm-hmm. I, what I like about T'Challa that we both saw in Civil War and especially in his own film is he's a wise character who wants to learn from his actions, you know, and he has a real wisdom to him uh, that I would really like to see brought into this film and utilized by the Avengers. Okay, I think I'd be really annoyed if it was just like Tony Stark uh, sort of writing the show. Like I'd like to see sort of. Yeah, uh, T'Challa sort of have his due as a potential leader. Yeah, and Shuri as well. Yeah. So now uh, we're going to go through our rankings of some of the Marvel films. We're going to do our top ten and yeah. our bottom three. Now, in the first episode, mm-hmm. we discussed that we would rank our movie, our, discuss our rankings um, based on this experience of rewatching all of them over yeah. again. So, uh, with that being said, yeah, what is your number 10? My number 10, and this is our top 10, by the way, guys, and yeah. we'll do our bottom three. Uh, 
My number 10 is Cap 1. Okay. I remember, see, I, like maybe three or four years ago, I tried rewatching it and I really wrote it off. But rewatching it this time and viewing it through the lens of this is like a pulp film and sort of just Very reveling Indiana in like, Jonesy. yeah, the pulp schmaltiness of it all, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. What's your number 10? Doctor Strange. Okay. And the, in judging yeah. me, I can tell. You know what? I, n- I never, at, at no point was I thinking about Doctor Strange in my top 10. If, why? Why? It's because you're wrong. But what do you what do you like about? I them? look. I enjoy her character. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I enjoyed the movie more than you. It, <laughs> That's I, probably not saying a whole bunch. I agree. Um, it's look, a good I, character. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah. I liked the origin story. I did like that they tried to do something different with the ancient one. Um, I did like so how they like did the things different. So said that they just tried to do something different, even if they didn't necessarily nail the execution. Yeah, and I also liked that they did something different with Baron Mordo as well. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I think he was a. I think he's probably. I know he wasn't a villain in this film, but I think if you count his sort of heel turn near the end, I think he's one of my favorite Marvel villains. He's up yeah, there. I like that he's. There is room to grow with this sort of Doctor Strange Interesting. section of the franchise. So do you think if they did like a second or a third film it would potentially be a lot stronger than this first Yes, one? much stronger. Alright, what's your number nine? Ant-Man. It is wow. a solid... Just, wow, just poor Paul Rudd in number nine, in number nine position. Oh, whatever. It's Much solid, than the man deserves. Been. It's a solid heist film. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoy it. And people who are saying it's not a heist film, it is a heist film. I'm sorry, it is. It's not just a superhero film, it's a heist film. And just everything about it is amazing. There is also something that I need to show you, which I will pause the podcast. Oh, no. It is the promo. Fucking old trailer again. No, no, it's the pr- one of the promos for Ant Man. Um, oh. Yes. Is it one of like the mini, the tiny um, billboards they did? No, it's not. Um, it's a video promo, so. It was going to be like a weird old like seventies trailer for another weird teller movie, like you made me watch with Doctor Strange. But that was actually very charming. It yeah. was um. So it's the Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas. Yes, yeah, so riffing. Cl- yeah, they're clapping, clapping along, clapping along with their legs and everything. And then Did Michael Douglas goes ants, ants, <laughs> and then Paul Rudd goes Ant Man. That's it. it. Yeah, it just it just feels like them riffing, having a good time. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, okay, so. Now, my number nine, yes. and I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this, but it is what it is. I'm going to get Thor Ragnarok. I like the film. It's good. Uh, but, yeah, I, it definitely deserves a place in the top ten at the moment. And I just want to say it to people... a higher place in the top ten. Look, I said it, I want to say to people at home, me and Billy have both sort of discussed where we're coming up with our list. It isn't, it isn't an exact science. No, it's not. A lot of and, a lot time, of, and a lot of these are also like... Thinking them four star films each and stuff as well. Yeah, of course. I and I think you know what I think the orders really may be relevant for our top three, but a lot of these that we're saying now, I think it's more notable that they're in the top ten rather yep. than a specific order. All right, what's your number eight? My number eight is Iron Man, the movie the, that started off the first Iron Man. Well, actually, no, it didn't start off the universe. It did. Really? No. Well, it started Hulk. off. No, Incredible Hulk was the first film. No, Iron Man came out first. You sure? Yes, yes. Incredible Hulk was like a month after. Oh, okay. It was yeah. super Oops, close. Sorry, my bad. Um, you're gonna hate me because my number eight Spider-Man: Homecoming. 
Yeah, I, uh, those are the eyes of the man who's never going never gonna to talk to me again. Yeah, that's right, because you know how much I love Yeah, so what's your number seven? Uh, Iron Man 3. That film, I reviled that film when I saw it in the cinema. Again, now I'd sort of tempered my expectations and mm. knew and was like, I'm just going to enjoy a good Shane Black film. I, I really enjoy this film. And that I think was it, my number 11. Really? Only just missed out. Mm. Okay, what's your number? What's your number seven, Billy? Avengers. The first Avengers? Yes. Okay. It's still good. Yeah. Um, it's gone down. Mm. I have noticed that in regards to when doing the whole rewatch now. Yeah. It's gone right. down a bit, but mm. it's still good. So my... Uh, oh, so... Do you mind if I say my number six then? Because my number six is Avengers. Okay. What's your number seven then? Uh, oh, sorry. I, I said Iron Man 3. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, sorry. so uh, Avengers is yeah. my number six. Okay. What, what's your number six, Billy? Guardians of the Galaxy. That's funny, because my number five is Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Oh, uh, we're so alike. We're so alike. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting how a lot of these films sort of, like, they fall in the same sort of area for us both. They're sort of like a middling range of, like, good, but okay. not quite at the top. Well, right. my number five is then Civil War. Captain America, mm. Civil War. Okay. Oh, my, my number four is Civil War. God, God, really? Is yeah, it is. Oh, wow. It is. I, as uneven as that film is, if any film sort of features Cap and his, and is a Cap a Cap heavy film, I'll generally enjoy it. Well, okay. Well, look, my number three and four, I guess, are, yeah. are equal. Okay, and I hit can't. me. So one of the first equal films is Black Panther. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what's your number three? My number three, and this is came out of left field for me because I was absolutely blown away by how fucking much fun I had with Ant-Man. So, Ant-Man is my number three. Okay. I think the humor is great and I think it's one of the... I think because it... Because no one expected much from it, I actually think it's a really interesting, innovative... And I think it is the, the funniest Marvel film and it is consistently funny and the humor holds up and I think it is deserving of third place. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just wait, like, cool. My equal third and fourth, yeah. as I mentioned, is Black Panther and also Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay, that makes sense. You're a big Spidey fan. Yes. What's your number two? My my number two is you probably guessed it. It's Black Panther. That's cool. It's like it's it's just an amazing film. It is. It's an amazing film. What's your number two? Thor Ragnarok. Oh wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Very high. So, what is your number one? Well, I think it's pretty obvious what my number one is, and I my guess is it might be your number one as well. Captain America: Winter Soldier. Yes, it is. Yeah. High five. I I think. I like that ours are pretty close though. I have another high five for that. Given how much like how much shit I talk on the podcast in terms you of know just getting what? frustrated, no, it's funny how similar our and I'm not, rankings are. I'm not like like don't give me shit about this, but I think I mean I did do this this re re thing I list. Like I was meant to have like like changed them as I was going. It was hard to keep up though. I did it this afternoon like straight away before I got in the car to come here. And I do feel like Ant-Man might be a little bit actually higher. But again, when you're thinking it's between like, like two, two like hypothetical ranks, like yeah. it's, I, yeah, look, I think what really matters is the, the, the order I really of the top enjoy, three. Yeah, exactly. But like, I think any, to get in the top 10, it shows that we like, excuse me, we enjoy these films. They have a special place in our hearts. So, shall we... Should we do bottom three? Bottom I mean, three. Okay, do we do so, number, like, okay, so not I, the worst... Third worst. Let's yes. do backwards. Third now worst. I'm just going to throw this out there. I will be very. I reckon that we're going to have the same films, but in different orders. That's okay. my guess. All right. What's so, your what's your third worst? Okay, my third worst is Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yes, mine too. Yeah, it's it's 
it just surprises me that it did as well at the box office. I guess people what I my guess is people it's probably the saw it once and, then, and the Josh Whedon factor. And people probably didn't rewatch it, whereas I think Avengers One is still very rewatchable. Um, it didn't go full like it. Yeah, just so many issues. What is your film. second last? Okay, this is really tough, uh, but I'm just going to say it, and this this might be different to you actually. Now I think about it. My second worst is Incredible Hulk. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Okay. My second worst. Yeah. Thor: The Dark World. Really? Yeah. So I think it's pretty. I obvious. enjoy Thor: The Dark World more than my least favorite, Incredible Hulk. You know what? I managed through Incredible Hulk, and because Norton's a good actor, there were times where I was That's, intrigued enough yeah. that I could stick with it. Yeah. Um, whereas the Dark World, I fought myself to not fast forward through like every fight scene of that film. And if you're a superhero movie, and I'm fast forwarding through your fight scenes, you've done something wrong. I had to pause The Incredible Hulk to go pick up my partner, who who was at university forty minutes away. So <laughs> that was an Incredible Hulk. Wow. So, so it look, shows how much I care for that. So film. I think it's pretty obvious. That my number one worst Marvel film, I think, is for The Dark World, and yours is The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Uh, as expected, pretty much the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure my guess is that most people at home, if you've been rewatching these films, or just from memory, you're, you're probably on board with Incredible Hulk. You're most likely on board with Thor: The Dark World. I would be interested to see if there are some defenders of Avengers: Age of Ultron out there. But I, I just think it, especially on the rewatch, it's just a troubled film. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get into a subject. Sorry, our last segment for this yes. podcast. It's where I talk about the ants in my house and where they're at. Where, where the are beloved, they? No, where it's, are they? You know, it's verging on winter. We haven't had any ant-based problems, so I'm loving life. Is it a lot of moss. Too cold to wank. <laughs> a lot of moss, but um, but no, no ants. Um, all right, no, we're going into the. Uh, you don't like me saying this. No, I, you know what I was thinking of. For people who haven't heard our previous episodes where we talked about the ant problem, you said I I just said that I've had no ants, and you said, was it too cold to wank? I'd like to let the people at home know that I'm not sexually attracted to ants, and this isn't a reference to me wanking to them. <laughs> Billy made made the joke, because my laptop was riddled with ants, that it was a porn laptop, and they were attracted to my uh, sickly rich semen. So that was the And joke. then you mentioned how the ants were attracted to a carpet, and I asked, was that your yeah. spoof? I guess my point right. is, people at home, I don't wank to ants. Sorry, we can we can move on now. Now yeah. I've cleared the air. Okay, so we're going to a subject called previously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That was a. I'm going to be honest. That American accent had had some rough edges to it, Billy. Maybe just maybe just after, after, after the podcast. Yeah, we'll just sort of work. Do you want to do it again now? No, thank you. Okay. So, <laughs> no. basically, we're going to look talk about where the Infinity Stones are, because yes. obviously the movie that's coming up next is Infinity War. Yes. So, the first Infinity Stone that we ever saw was the Space Stone, which is... Is it just called the Space Stone? Yes, it's called the Space Stone. Like, in the comics, it's called the Cosmic Cube. It's not actually an Infinity Stone yes, as well. Yes, but in here, they, they made it an Infinity... Yeah. Which, again, I think is a good example of the cinematic universe streamlining. Called the Tesseract. Yes. They've sort of streamlined uh, yeah. some of the comic continuity. So the first time we see it is, I believe, would it be in, in a, a Captain America: Captain, yeah. The First Avenger, where it's used as like a glorified battery to do for like weapons, essentially. Yeah. Now the current location, um, and I got this wrong in the um, in the uh, earlier. Can I try and guess? Thought it's in the spaceship. Do you want to have a guess what the name of the spaceship is? Oh, okay. 
Wait, whose spaceship is it in? It's in the spaceship that the Asgardians are in. Oh, the Valkyrie. No, well, yeah, what? it's not called the Valkyrie. Apparently, it's called the Statesman. Oh, so... But I... Okay. Yeah. Apparently, go. that ship is called the Statesman. Okay, so they're in the Statesman. Yeah. All right, and that's where... Um, so that's and where the Loki is. has it, because he picked it up when he went to... Um, when he went to the um, trophy room, I guess? Yes, the vault. Of the vault of Asgard to put uh, Surtur's skull into the... Um, the internal flame? The, yeah, the internal flame. Look, I don't know how you can't remember these very simple things we're talking about, Billy. I'm just being he passed, it's all very odd. He passed the Tesseract, because he knew Asgard was going to blow That's up, right. so he picked up the Tesseract. Does he actually... Do we, we don't see him pick it up, though. We see him look at it. Yeah, we see him look at it, but we see in the trailer him possibly give it to Thanos. Oh, I really hope that Loki doesn't have a heel turn, but look, let's not talk about that. Yes. Um, wait, so which... Because my question... Oh. Also, in Thor's vision... That he has in Age of Ultron, um, he sees the Tesseract being shattered and a blue space stone coming out of the Tesseract. So, okay, question. So, in Avengers, uh, in the first Avengers film, then we had did we have two Infinity Stones, the one in Loki's staff and the one in the Tesseract? Yeah, but we didn't know the one in Loki's staff was an Infinity Stone until Age of Ultron. Yes. Okay, that's what. That's right. I for some reason I always get the staff and the tesseract one. Confused. Yeah. So in Avengers: Age of Ultron, we find yes. out that the staff, um, it's got like a blue sort of, but it's like covering. A, but it's a yellow stone. But yeah, inside of that blue covering is a yellow stone, a, which I'm sure it, was not a retcon and was always intended. Yeah, and that is the Mind Stone, and the current owner of the Mind Stone is Vision. Yes, it power it powers. Vision. Yeah, it's part of his sort of brain, essentially. Um, you know, it's pretty bad on Thanos' part to, you know, give give an Infinity Stone to Loki. It's a risky bet. Yes, a risky bet. Um, so then there's the Reality Stone, which is the Aether. Is that red? Okay, is it? That's the red one. It's the Aether. Um, now... I was going to make a terrible, um, a terrible, like, reality TV joke, but it didn't come to me in time, so you're that's welcome. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so we saw that in Thor The Dark World. Yes. Um, the Malekith was trying to take over, trying to use it to take over and plunge the entire universe That's into right, darkness. turtle darkness. Um, now, currently, it's with the Collector, um, obviously in the Collector's Museum in nowhere. That's right, because at the end of the film, at the end of Thor: The Dark World, the Asgardians gave, gave it to him because now, did that they happen... said because they said it happened in a post credit, and then but... they said also. Two Infinity Stones should not be in the same place That's at the same right. time. That's right. And of course, Thor, Dark World, I think, came out the year after Guardians. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Before. Did it come out before? Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna check that. Given that we've had a show where we've watched all this, yeah, these films. Yeah, it was a year before. Wait, really? Yeah. Thor, the Dark World was 2013. Guardians of the Galaxy, 2014. Look, I'm just going to... I'm going to check that because now I'm... You're correct. Wow, so okay. we first saw the Collector in... No, you're right. I think they made a big deal out of it as yeah. well, that it was so that's Benicio th- Del Toro's yeah. debut in the Marvel Universe. So that's three stones that we know of. Okay. Then there is the fourth stone, which is in the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and it's a purple one, and it's the Power Stone. And it gives pretty much everyone unlimited power. They have very generic... A lot of them have very generic names. Yeah, I know. Um, and and it was used by like, Ro- Thanos Task Ronan to get it. Thanos is really bad at getting these stones. I know, he is. Um, Ronan finds it and uses it to want to destroy um, That's right, Xander. Xander. 
Uh, so it's, and that's currently with the Nova Core, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, so that's, I know my shit, apparently. Yes, you do. So that's four stones so far. So do we, now, the others aren't accounted for, is that correct? So there is the fifth stone, which is in Doctor Strange. Oh, the, in the eye, is that, the, I assume, the time stone? That is the time stone, and in it's the in eye the of, eye of Agamotto. Yes. So currently, its current location is on Earth, uh, being looked after by Doctor Strange. Okay. In the New York Center. So then there's only three unaccounted for. No, there's only oh, just, okay. just the one unaccounted for. What were the other two then? Um, no, no, there's only six in total. I thought there were eight. No, I six. don't know why I thought there were eight. Yeah, so... Um, that is so the... Oh, wait. Just, so there's, there's one, one on each finger yeah. and then one on the... Yeah, okay. On one the, of like the, the palm, like The guess. back of the hand. Back of the hand. Um, and that is the soul stone, and that's the orange stone, but no one knows anything about it. Interesting. Or where it is. I'm going to throw out this wild prediction, Billy, mm-hmm. and I'm beginning to hear what you think, is I think that at the end of Infinity War, because I think it's going to be a two-parter, I think at the end of Infinity War, Thanos is going to have gotten all the gems. Yeah, I'm going to put that out there, that he might do that as well. Because just from a, like, a story perspective... It's like the Chekhov's gun rule, right? If you if you if someone if you see someone get a gun, then they have to use it. So I reckon, given that like the film is about him trying to get the Infinity Stones, and we've seen all these Infinity Stones, we therefore have to see what happens yeah, when someone gets the, all of them. The other thing is we've we've seen only what they've given us, and they've mentioned that they've filmed fake scenes, and they've filmed, mm-hmm. um, and not all the actors know that know what happens in the film. Well, like I don't know if you saw that. Uh, that Hawkeye and Captain America playing beach volleyball scene, but that was actually fake. Was it like the... What's that? Was it de- like Dead or Alive beach volleyball? <laughs> I was thinking more top, like a Top Gun vibe, but regardless, it was very erotic. Top Gun. Mm. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, essentially... That, Thanos is pretty shit collecting the stones, but, I don't know, we'll see what happens next. Yeah, well, we will, and we will discuss it on the... From the, the trailer, it looks like he has two. D- initially. Yeah, he cracks. Well, of course, the, he cracks the uh, tesseract. Yes, and he and apparently it has the the purple one. But as I mentioned, they've been filming fake scenes. Yeah. So and who knows if that scene? There's a scene in the trailer where um, he's grabbing. He's Captain America is holding his hand up, um, like sort of to push. Wanting a away. high five, and Thanos does not reciprocate. Hence, no. how we know he's a villain. Yes. Yeah, there's that thing where he's sort of grappling with Thanos, right? Yeah, so look, that's where we're at in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Also, the, um, there is still the Civil War that happened. Um, yeah. So the, like, there's Cat's team, which is uh, Falcon, Bucky. I mean, Bucky is in Wakanda, sort of. Yeah, sort of on like an R&R. Well, yeah, and sort of um, trying to get his mind back in order. Um, so don't really... Black Widow, um, Cap... Falcon. Um, was Black Widow locked up with the rest? At the no, end? she wasn't, yeah. but she ran away for the Avengers compa- compound. Oh, okay. Because Tony Stark got shitty. It's like, I dubbed you in. Oh. Uh, dickhead. That's right. I forgot about that bit. Um, um, but yeah, so they're all on the run. Even Scarlet Witch. I'm just going to... This is my other prediction. Yeah. Is that it was... Given how little it was referenced in Spider-Man and seemed to influence the world not that much... Like, I mean, Spider-Man isn't real. Like, yes, he's reporting the happy, but he's but it, that feels felt more like because he was a teenager, not because of the Superhero Registration Act. And no. he doesn't get into... Or the Sokovian Accord, sorry. No, Accord, yeah. like and he never really gets into... Like, no one seems to really care that Brooklyn has a, a, a superhero. No. 
I'm uh, not Brooklyn, sorry, Queens, um, mm. as you know, a superhero essentially operating on their own sort of authority. So just well, I mean, I'm I reckon, sure. I reckon that it, the like the Sokovia Accords and the Civil War stuff, I think it's going to be done away with very quickly in the film. Yes. Um, look, I mean, we've got Doctor Strange, you know, looking after the Sanctum as well. Yeah, and again, not reference the fact that, like, the uh, Superhero Registration Act. I get that he sort of operates on a different no. level, but... Um, and then, obviously, we've got the Asgardians flying around in the Statesman. I mean, the end of the film has them, looks like, to be attacked by the... As Thanos' ship, Thanos as you ship. pointed out to me. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, obviously... We don't. They will have the biggest changes because the second film was a month like, after the first. Yeah, like a couple of months after the first film, and so that's still like five or six years before the current timeline. Yes. So by that stage, Groot's apparently a teenager and everything as well. Hmm. And I so, assume, and I, I will be interested to see if uh, Star Lord and Gamora are just like in a relationship now, like along, because I mean, it or began if, in. Guardians do I think. Yeah, or if the film starts with, um, not Gamora, uh, what's Gamora's sister's name? Uh, uh, Nebula. Nebula, if Nebula's with them or not, because at the end of the second film, Nebula runs off to go kill Thanos, yeah. essentially. I, look, I don't know if this is just something I'd like to see in the film, but I'd really like it if the first bit we see the Guardians are uh, Gamora and uh, Star-Lord filing for divorce. You're not funny, you know that. Well, see, I, I think it's funny. That's enough to that's enough to sort of give me the confidence to make these terrible fucking jokes. You do you. You do you. But that'll bring I on the ants. <laughs> uh, ants. 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 <laughs> Alright. Well, look. Ant-Man. Do we... Look, do we want to... Do we want to wrap it up? Yes. Uh, for, for this week? Um. Yeah, look. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. We... You can catch me on Twitter. Um, yeah. Aqualike. You can catch you on Twitter. Yeah. Aqualike. At Weekly Geek. Um, obviously this is To Infinity War and Beyond We'd love for you to rate us on iTunes Yes, uh, and of course we are released through The wonderful people at Geek of Oz who And are... our podcast is located on Washaka as well Yes, so you can find us at, at Geek of Oz on Twitter And Geek Face... of Oz on Facebook Yeah, uh, uh, yes or also sorry, geekofoz.com as well Yes Alright, well, next week's a big one, Billy We're talking about Infinity War Yes So I will Cannot wait I'll speak to you then Bye